Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganello. all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Mike and Viana got playing some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame and if that all sounds cool i can tell you the name it's the r h a p b m b mike and Diana gotta play in some games that i pray to your mama that they're not super lame and if that all sounds cool i can tell you the name Everybody and welcome to the RHAP B&B for episode one of Survivor Borneo. The words coming out of my mouth felt weird as the sounds were moving past my mouth, but I'm happy they're out there because we were officially in the off season of Survivor. Some uncharted waters here with season 41 and nowhere in the distance. Uh, as RHAP, we have taken on the initiative to maybe dote on some episodes of Survivor past and with this week. Uh, commemorating the 20-year anniversary of the premiere of the show we'd love oh so dearly. We thought we'd open up the B&B for the time being to talk about this pilot of Survivor and all of its weirdness and all of its glory. And of course, we have a great panel to break it all down. First, let me welcome in Liana Boris. Liana, welcome back. How are you? How have you been the past couple weeks? Uh, I've been good. I'm so excited to do this because when I was going through and I was rewatching the episode, I was like, I love Survivor. And it made me super excited. And so it it feels so exactly the same, but also so different at the same time. So I I've been looking forward to this all week. And we have been looking forward all couple of weeks since I asked her to come on to welcome a guest to the B&B here, special edition, because this has been a while since we've had her on the B&B because she has like a like a bird taken to flight and watch out for those monitor lizards because they will eat the chickens. But she has evaded them. She has made a name for herself the past couple of years as a survivor podcaster, the host of a survivor global and basically every international survivor podcast you can possibly think of on RHAP. So happy to welcome back to the B&B Shannon Gus. Shannon, how you doing? 
I'm I'm doing great. I yeah, I watched this episode and I was like, this is not a great global episode because there was like no strategy. I was trying to like write down like so Sue is the swing vote and I'm like, this just doesn't work. So I'm gonna go on the B and B because there's a lot of ridiculousness <laughs> that we can talk about, so it might fit a little better there. We're we're yeah. nothing but ridiculous, especially when it comes to this exactly. show. Like when you, we we fully embrace the gongs and the tr- giant treasure chest of money. <laughs> and I actually I'm hoping that uh, we can sort of populate this back into the Survivor Zeitgeist as we transition games. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, I was legit thinking that I was like. These episodes are perfect for the B&B. Like, why are we not? (laughs) Screw the most recent season of Survivor. Like, this is better. We should redo some of the old seasons. Can you imagine, like, the B&B for, I don't know, Vanuatu? Like, that would be insane. Well, yeah, because I feel like these older seasons, I think one of its hallmarks, right, is that it has a lot more character-based moments and really some less strategy-based moments. I feel like maybe that's a bit of a a misnomer, given that there is gameplay that is fundamental and exists in these... uh, in these first seasons but they're definitely less frenetic in terms of gameplay and so they do take more time to focus on like building out the kooky people that they do cast and there are certainly details especially when it comes to like production because i'm sure you both sort of felt a notable difference in a survivor between episode one of season one and episode 14 of season 40 and besides like the storytelling and the production aspects it just feels like a very different type of thing that they were sort of flying by the seat of their pants on and in those early seasons and even some of those uh, middle seasons as well the teens it's really fun to track like how experimental they got and how many times they ran with it and it became a major facet of the game and how many times they fell flat on their face and said you know what no more medallion of power you know what we're good with that we're gonna hang it up and put it in ghost island somewhere if only they could bring back the chest of money and the gong though like i'm so down for that although i would appreciate instead of doing i assume they were a hundred dollar bills because it was a million dollars right like in a chest nickels <laughs> a big vat of nickels so you think it, might, it, it was definitely fake money right probably there's no way it's real <laughs> Imagine during tribal council, but all just goes like flying, and Jeff is just like running around trying to pick up. There was no way there was that was Ooh, real money in the chest. That'd be fun. It'd be like one of those booths that you stand into, like, like a big pneumatic tube, and it blows the money everywhere. Maybe that's like a bonus game: is like try to catch as many much money coming out of that treasure chest. <laughs> yeah, and you use it for the auction. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, okay. I want to talk about the gong here before we even get into anything. Why did they? Why did hooray. they each have to ring the gong? Like that's the thing is that they each had to pick up the thing and ring the gong. You think that one person doing it, they'd be able to announce the presence of the tribe in general? Well, yeah. maybe that that could be the ultimate compromise if we don't want everybody to have to ring the gong. But obviously, Mike, you're starting the ceremony of tribal council, and so to announce one's presence in the arena of tribal council, one must bang the gong before standing next to. The chest of money. No, I loved yeah. that. Um, I love that they had to stand until like Jeff basically told them to sit down. It was like an awkward church service of like, <laughs> this is the ceremony of tribal council. Here's the treasure chest. Now please be seated and let's go on with the with the hymns. But the crazy thing is that like it's not an unrecognizable show at all. Like there's things that have stood the test of yeah. time. The 20 years later, like fire still represents your life and you still dip your torch and like these rituals still exist. And then like there's like the gong. That's like, I really feel like forgotten to history because like everyone remembers the chest. I feel like we talk about that all the time, but the gong, I feel like I completely <laughs> forgot that that existed until I rewatched it. 
Yeah. No, I, I, you know, Shannon, I, I'm so happy that you brought that up because one of the first things I wrote down was like hearing the Hidden Voices mm. song with the intro. And then when Jeff Probst said Fire Represents Life, it was like going to a concert and somebody playing their like number <laughs> one hit. I was like, yes, <laughs> like cheering for I was like, you go, Jeff. Like, Ooh, this is what, what, do, you I mean? what do you think a Jeff Probst concert would be? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, like imagine his enthusiastic. Imagine his crowd work. Like you, orange T-shirt. Tell me about your mom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so this is his stand-up. You're, t- you're talking about his type I, I, five. No, or, or Jeff Probst's concert is like a, like a combination like stand-up storytelling session where he just goes into a bunch of metaphors about life. Uh, it serves as like a bunch of strung together sentences, and he tries to bring people up for Q and A. It's uh, it's like Whoopi Goldberg's one woman show, but it's the Jeff Probst one man show. I guess the Jeff Probst show was kind of like that. Yeah, that's where he really should have pivoted to. Was like, screw TV, go straight to Broadway, baby. Hmm. Um. I love though also some of the things that that were different. So like for example, the flag at the tribe. I think it was I can't remember which tribe, but like they like made their own flag because they got it in their mm-hmm. supply kit, but then they had to like hang it up themselves. There was something really like cool and weird about that because you know now they just go and the flag is there right i guess they like have to paint the flag during the merge or something but anyway i don't know there were little things like that it was really really cool it was really fun to rewatch this episode yeah so i guess yeah. we just we should also talk about like what our respective histories are with the premiere of borneo proper because like we all uh approach survivor at different times uh in its chronology so shannon when did you originally watch the the borneo pilot so I can't really remember, which is, I guess, great podcasting. <laughs> but I know, like, so my parents watched it. They've always told me on time. But now I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, in South Africa, there's no way this was, like, same-day delivery as the U.S., right? Like, I kind of, like, I've always pictured my parents watching it with the world. But now I'm thinking they were, like, two months late and just didn't know. If anyone remembers when this aired in South Africa in 2000, please let me know. <laughs> so my parents are watching it from the beginning. There's every chance that I, like, kind of was, because like, I remember some huge moments from history that I was kind of watching with them before I started watching full-time um, in season seven. So I'm not sure. But then... When I became a super wait, fan. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say full time to, to talk about your watching of Survivor? I mean, did I stutter? Like, would you, would you find well, I'm that? Just, what, what, how would you define part time? Like, I'll watch a few episodes here and there. Yeah, like, yeah I mean, casually, right? And also, like, maybe how, like, anyone else but us watches it would be considered part-time. But the way <laughs> that, that we watch we, it is full-time. Should we say instead of, instead of super fan and casual, it should be part-time and full-time Survivor fan? Okay, I, I'll say it to you this way, full-time, right? So since 2012-ish, when I started re-watching seasons and listening to RJP and becoming a super fan, I'm, I, I'm sure that not a day has gone by where I haven't mentioned Survivor to someone. So that to me is full time. Like surely, right? Like there aren't days that go by where I don't mention Survivor. <laughs> That's like an true. eighty-hour work week, Shannon. Into this than anything else, and I consider myself a full-time worker as well. So yeah, that, I feel like I do. I'm a full-time Survivor watcher. <laughs> I love this. I love it because it's like, oh yeah, I just volunteer from time to time. Like that's like the most basic level, <laughs> and then you have the like, part time. And the- well, people probably watch it once a week. Like that's part time for me. Yeah. That every single day for the past like seven to eight years, I've either talked about Survivor or at least like listened to a podcast about it or like you know 
participated in watching the show or consuming the content in some capacity. That is full time. I can't believe I'm even having to defend this. Like, what is what is full time if not my relationship? With I mean, l- listen, we are well. We would be hypocrites, particularly to to you know uh, chastise you for doing. It. I just think full time is an interesting thing. Now, if like if your cable package expires and you can't watch Survivor, are you like furloughed on Survivor? I mean, I think that's what's happening right now. Because the show is kind of in limbo. So anyway, this is taking a depressing turn. But around 2012, I started rewatching all the seasons. And, I, and like within those like three years, I, re- I watched every season. So at some point in that, I watched Borneo and I'm not sure when. Sorry, I didn't have such meticulous records. But, well, I'm, well, I'm yeah. always- and then other than that, I think this is probably like the second time I've watched the episode. Because I'm always intrigued to see, because obviously people are like, what order should you watch the seasons? And I do feel like there are two camps of like, start with Borneo, and then there's, oh, like, start with these really big seasons, your Pearl Island, your Cagayans, and like, throw Borneo in there because it's important, but it's not nearly as like magnanimous as some of those seasons. Liana, in in your sort of history of Survivor, were you like, uh, did you watch Borneo first at least, or did that come somewhere afterwards? No, so <clears throat> I think I would probably say I became, I don't know when I became full-time, probably around the same time as <laughs> Shannon, actually, because I had discovered Big Brother. So real, like <clears throat> we in our household, we didn't watch reality TV. Um, and so I don't, I don't know, my, I blame my parents, but it's fine. I discovered it later on my own. And when I did, I f- discovered Big Brother first. And so I actually was a huge Big Brother fan. And then like, oh, yeah, that show Survivor. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I like it didn't really I knew that it was a cultural phenomenon that was happening at the time. But because my family didn't watch reality TV, it didn't like click to me that this was a huge deal when it was happening. So when I discovered it later, I was like, OK, yeah, I'll watch this Survivor show. <laughs> like, Liana, this is Survivor, you know? Anyway, so I definitely started. I watched whatever season was live at the time. I don't remember what it was, but I was like a couple episodes in and I was like, no, you know what? Like, you're going to do this right. You're going to go back. You're going to rewatch. So it wasn't the first episode I ever saw, but it was definitely one of the early ones. And since I've rewatched it, I've rewatched it with Puya. So I've reseen the season several times, but it had been a while since I had watched it. Um, and I think especially to go from the episode 14 of survivor season 40 to episode one like those are the, that was the last episode i watched it was just so cool i I'm no, i know i sound like a broken record but it, it was just a really neat experience to see wh- you know to think about where i've been where i've come from all of my experiences with survivor and then to go back to where it all began See, for me, it wasn't like the comparison between the 40 finale and this that really stuck out to me, although those two things are, like, very different. But for me, like, the latest Survivor thing I watched was Survivor Sequester, right? So I was just (laughs) thinking, like, I can't believe this show is going to create, like, the, you know, the ripple effect that include, like, this podcast and every other podcast on the network and every other podcast that exists and then the communities and then the fact that like mm-hmm. babies have been born and then the fact that there's a sequestered <laughs> thing like these things are like impossible to explain to anyone involved like anyone probably in 2000 let alone like anyone involved with survivor yeah. and like that's the ripple effects of where we are like that's a crazy thing to me I, mm-hmm. I do find the process of explaining how a baby is born to someone very difficult so I agree with you <laughs> I was on that. Sequester, obviously yeah no I, I think well, that I it is also that it is a very weird ripple effect. I agree that especially like th- just it allows you to think that this type of show, like obviously it was a huge smash back in the summer of 2000, but that it would almost become a different hit in its own way amongst the Internet populace as it sort of segued into a more 
I wouldn't say a cult status, but definitely a smaller but more fervent fan base. It, it's just so interesting, but it's so much fun to look back. I still think that season one cast is iconic mm-hmm. in every way, shape, or form. I think one of my favorite things about season one, and I, and I will uh, fully admit here that this is uh, my second time rewatching the Borneo premiere in a couple months because we have been doing a Borneo rewatch on the Historians. So for Historians fans, I do apologize in advance if I do um, mimic some, several of my comments there. Uh, I explained that I, my Survivor origin story, I came in around episode six of Survivor Borneo. Uh, but I don't know if if you remember this, if you're Shannon, if your parents remember this, but this is actually the only Survivor season so far that they re-ran. Uh, this aired in the summer of 2000, and they aired it in the fall as well because it was just such a big hit of a show. And so I, I remember watching those first five episodes in the fall. So I guess that was the first time I ended up seeing the Borneo premiere. The thing that really stuck out to me besides the the chintziness... There's no way my parents remember that, by the way. They could not tell you who won two weeks ago. But anyway, carry on. But the thing that that stuck out to me was the storytelling style. Uh, And that that carries through Borneo as well. Because I know a lot of people say it really has a documentary feel to it in terms of just... uh, It's a little less polished. Like, there's less music underscoring everything. Uh, There's less, like, you know, strategic purpose to every scene. But I feel like it really manifests itself in the confessionals because it really does take on a documentary purpose where I feel like nowadays in Survivor, the confessionals are used to support what we see on screen. But in Borneo, the confessionals are used to supplement what we don't see, right? Like the first two confessionals of the episode are Rudy talking about like, you know, hey, I uh, I, I thought dragging two crates behind us was dumb. So I, I gave the orders to hurl him on the raft and Kelly saying, oh, he did that. And I thought he was being bossy. Like we didn't see any of that. And a lot of it in Borneo is the contestants describing to us things that happen without us outright seeing it. There are things that we see, like eating the rats and snakes and rats and all that rat-affiliated greatness. But even like um, the the women are the stupidest thing on earth next to cows comment in episode six was done off screen, or at least was not shown on the show. And that's the one thing that I really forgot about Borneo personally, was how much was sort of the contestants commenting on things that already happened and sort of filled us in on stuff that we missed out on. Well, that's, well, that's because they have way less production. They have to supplement it. Like the, the cow thing, they just missed it, right? They didn't get footage. They wanted to show it, I'm sure, but they couldn't. So it just shows that they kind of everyone all in one place. And like, honestly, that kind of connects to international survivor, not saying that we're like caught back in 2000, but there isn't as big, like, a, you know, a budget. We don't have as much production. And like, Sometimes they give a little bit more grace to international survivor, knowing that we just don't have like the legwork out there to get every single thing. Whereas like U.S. survivor at this point is like a big budget, a well, a well-oiled machine that they can kind of get everything. So yeah, I mean it's smart. It's like if if you only have a certain amount of cameramen and you do miss that, like you have to have someone talking about it. I I loved this episode. I really did. I loved the feel of it. Uh, it. It definitely feels very different than what Survivor has morphed into now, but there were just so many little moments that made me incredibly happy. I think part of that has to do with the cast. I mean, Mike, you pointed it out, like, this cast is just so iconic. There's so many great moments. Like, Sue talking about a rat is just a squirrel without a fluffy tail when yes. they're talking about eating the rats. Who are you? that's amazing <laughs> that's amazing of course you have Rudy but you also have some great work from production it's when one of the scenes I really really liked was when uh, the uh, the tribe is talking Toggy tribe is talking about what they want to do and they're all sort of talking over each other and the camera just sort of pans yes. out and you see Richard yes. sitting up in this tree it was like 
that was my like yas queen this is iconic moment it was just it was so cool i really loved oh my god yeah wow and i will say that uh i definitely like i feel like survivor can also be a type of show where like as you get older or certain life circumstances come up it changes the way you view things where when i was watching at the time totally team Pagong. they were the young fun loving mm-hmm. tribe but watching <laughs> borneo back i am totally more interested in the Tagis because they seem infinitely the more complicated tribe just like yeah. a really interesting mixture of personalities uh i mean even from the get-go like you said like between richard trying to jockey for leadership but in his own way and the first instance of richard and sue butting heads with action richard action uh you know rudy sort of coming off as a rascal even the scenes of like Dirk going off to study the Bible and Sean showing off how edgy is he is with his one pierced nipple. Like it's it's such an, an interesting group of people. Whereas I do feel like Pagong is sort of painted with a bit of a broad brush, especially in this first episode of a bunch of young people plus BB and Gretchen. And while it is, they do a lot of really fun stuff throughout the season. When you look at like who they are as personalities coming together and interacting, give me Toggy any day personally. Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of like. Richard in the tree right so like in the mythology of in my mind of the episode like that's a, like it is obviously a really iconic thing and I remember I grew up my whole life with my mom always saying to me like I remember seeing Richard in the tree and I said that guy's gonna win and like it's meant to be this epic thing and like when I'm watching it now I'm like that's a terrible take like Richard should have been first boot he played the worst out of anyone in this whole episode oh no no chizzy points for Richard <laughs> like no like the opposite like he should, he's doof of the week like legit Ooh. because isn't he? Like, he plays terribly. He's, like, so stubborn. He's, like, pushing this communication thing. Like, the way, and I know that Rudy maybe says it more than it is in action because he gets votes for being bossy, but Rudy says, like, I need to come to these people. Like, you know, I have to adapt to them because there's more of them than me. Like, Richard refuses to adapt. His, like, social style is way too stubborn. He's in the tree, which kind of sets him apart. Like, I don't like that. Like, why are you setting yourself apart in such, like, an obvious aesthetic way? And then he's the only one to vote for Stacey for reasons I don't understand. Like, there's no way he could for, no, think reason, he not was, reasons for he understands either i believe he literally says like many reasons subtle that i don't yeah. really know yet yeah exactly and it's like he he's like i've narrowed it down to four people one of which is me it should have been him there by the grace of god and age is he not the person i think voted out because he was like just like really bad social play and like also at the time they care a lot about you know him being able to help with, with the shelter and everything and sonia has tripped over and, and things like that like i honestly think like early survivor he doesn't go because he's necessary for the tribe. Late, late survivor, he doesn't go because at that point was so meta that like he's a shield or whatever. He's a goat we're going to drag to the end at that point. But middle survivor, when it's pure social stuff, like he is the first boot. This was terrible play. This is a, I can't believe I'm saying this. It's like sacrilegious, but I wasn't expecting him to be so bad. Well, see, now you get to talk about strategy. You see, you're able to find a way. Well, no, it's, it's not yeah, a good start. It's not a good start for Richard. It really isn't until like episode three, especially once Tagi gets the fishing gear that he proves his worthfulness to the tribe and then simultaneously starts to like use the time he's sticking around to make a bond with Rudy and then simultaneously make a deal with Kelly and Sue. I guess if you're talking about like social play, he does do something off screen that's talked about in Burnett's book, which I sort of like comb over as we talk about the historians uh, podcast. I really recommend if people have like an extra seven bucks, get it on Amazon use because it's a really interesting manifesto from Mark Burnett about the process of filming that first season. And he goes on to like psychoanalyze each one of the 16 cast members. It's so interesting. But apparently what happened was I think on either night one or night two, Richard and Kelly had like a a heart to heart conversation where Richard came out to her. 
and then I think the next day he came out to the rest of the tribe, Sans Rudy, who uh, I think was away at the time. He found out at that tribal council. So I think that sort of like is a moment that made the cutting room floor, but was a very fundamentally important moment for Richard, because it does seem like as much as people may bristle up against his lifestyle in future episodes, I think there was like a bit of respect there that it was never going to be him being the first boot. Like it was always, always going to be Sonya or Rudy. And I can imagine if you're looking for like a little thing that might bring him back into everyone's good graces, opening up like that even though we didn't see that could be an example mm, yeah, yeah fair enough but like i mean from everything we saw like he has the winner confessional which is epic but it's like everyone should just say that in case you win they'll throw it in because it's not <laughs> like it's not in tune with what we're seeing definitely from a social standpoint and like anyway like if he doesn't open up like i mean i think that sonia having like been the older woman who did trip in the challenge like you know, it, I, I think thereby the, we don't see what, what Richard does, obviously, in terms of that. But, like, I think it's more that other people were just more detrimental to the tribe than he was rather than, from what we see, him saving himself. Mm. But I'm not sure. And also that challenge that they were, like, we were so close. Like, we were kind of watching that in real time, right? Like, that was a really minor, like, two-minute challenge where they just kind of ran through the water. I'm not I know. Just, like, or, 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 were you, the were you s- <laughs> so surprised to not hear, like, Jeff narrate it? Like, instead, we get those lower thirds of Toggy behind, like, the... Like, it, it was very strange not hear Jeff Probst talking for, like, seven minutes straight in a challenge, Liana. Yeah, it I was, was just, fine like, with such it. a small challenge. <laughs> yeah, well, and it was it was very quick, like Shannon said. Um, it was a little bit of a blink and you miss it and it's over. Like, I looked away and then all of a sudden, you know, they were already up there. Um, and so, yeah, they seemed pretty close. I think it's interesting when you actually do look at the strategy because I think it was when... Um, Sue was talking about being the swing vote. And it was like, oh, that's cool. I didn't remember, you know, they're the, they're, you know, obviously we get the alliance later on, but there are still these little twinges or, you know, whatever the word I'm looking for. What was the word I tried to think of earlier, Mike? Back, back, background back, noise or feedback. Background noise, whatever. Anyway, my brain's not working super well. I'm tired. So, uh, yes, that was really, really cool because it was, uh, I think it was great to hear that even from episode one, you know, there's definitely still some strategy there that's being implemented. So it was cool. Yeah, it's sort of I like a... Like, go ahead. Uh, strategically, I, I mean, just trying to get out all the strategy out of this, I was just like, why would Rich vote for Stacey? I feel like I've come onto the podcast and been like, Rich had have to play terribly. The first challenge in Survivor history was pretty underwhelming. Like, I've got some notes. I have some notes. How could they not give four members of Pagong a confessional? Four of the most entertaining members of Pagong? I have some some criticisms. <laughs> This is like actually turning into an episode of Survivor Global. So you guys should take it back onto the B&B of me just like criticizing Jeff and the show for what they did 20 years ago. Yeah, but I, <laughs> okay. would, also, I would also say that this pairs like really nicely with the second episode, which is much more overwhelming. We're not doing a podcast on that. <laughs> I know, unfortunately not. But I do think like the, that's the that's the Pagong episode. Obviously, that is the really the big BB episode as much as the premiere was. I mean, I will. All, I mean, I think compared to other Survivor premieres, is this one in the top five? I don't think so, but I think there's enough fun stuff in here to like not only get your nostalgia goggles properly fogged up, but also like like Liana said, there are small moments. You know, I think there's a sort of the Mandela effect of Richard Hatch pioneer the first alliance when really it was Stacey Stillman, apparently, who was going around trying to make deals with Kelly and Sue to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's interesting that like if you look at this vote a little bit differently, if Sue votes with Kelly, Stacey and Sonia, 
Rudy Botch is the first ever boot in Survivor uh, because it's enough to get a plurality there, which is super interesting and speaks to how much surprising power Susan Hawk had, not only in Toggy, but throughout the entirety of Survivor Borneo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Sue also cut her own hair with a machete. Yeah, she's like, oh, I got wow. these damn knots. So I'm going to take them out. Like, Sue, it's been a day. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, no, to be fair, Mike, like, I. I- Three months ago, I'm saying that's crazy. Now, having been in quarantine, I understand. I well, understand. that's the thing, though. It's You wouldn't do it after one day in quarantine, though. Like, Sue went from zero to 60. Know. Things went kind of crazy so quickly that I was like, who? I felt like I was on Survivor really early on. And I honestly did consider taking the knife to my own hair multiple times, but I managed to resist it. Yeah, in terms of, like, yeah, Rudy almost goes home first, which is like, and you get a lot of the iconic stuff really early, like the Rich and Rudy Friendship is obviously in this first episode. And if it had happened, it would have been because Rich voted by himself. Doof of the week, I just have to say. Some crazy stuff. But, you know, for me, like, when I like when I look back, like, Mike, you're like, I'm going to be harsh here. It's not a top five premiere. Like, that's not that's not <laughs> insulting. Like, what, it's number six? Like, it's fine. But when I look back, the reason it stands out to me is, like, the reverence that I have for the history of the show. Mm-hmm. And, like, the mm-hmm. culture of the show, as much as I've come and, like, slammed everything that's important to Survivor in this podcast. But, like, I feel often and through all of season 40, like, emotional about where the show is at. Like, I feel like I'm, like, a parent watching their kid go to college, which is not even a reference that I get because I obviously don't have any kids and I'm not even like, I don't even live in America. So like the college culture is very foreign to me, but I assume that this is what it's like. Like just, you know, basically like we're all parents that are watching our kid move out of home and then going back and watching baby photos. And like, maybe sometimes like you're a little bit annoyed at the kid and maybe you're, you're watching these baby videos and they're doing something wrong, but you're like, it still is really Momentous. I don't know if this analogy is making sense, but oh, I love it. I love it. And yeah. it was almost as Liana would get it <laughs> on the on the. Uh, I think it's Targi Tribe that does yoga on the beach. It was like baby's first yoga because that's now <laughs> we see all that on season forty. We saw Parv on the island or edge of freaking extinction doing yoga. Um, and I never would have thought I would have heard a joke about Viagra. That I, I did not remember <laughs> at all yeah, when they B- were talking B- about BB. <laughs> like it's a. I would I would call it a May December romance, but she's forty five and he's sixty four. So again it's more like a i don't know a july february of next year romance but yeah they decide to nickname him viagra uh which baby sort of like begrudgingly uh takes at a certain point even though he's just like he's basically done at this point right he's ready to roar shadow there like the trail he's he and ramona are trying to follow all right we've done enough babbling i'm sure we'll get more into bb and his lovely wife as we move forward here may he rest in peace it's time to get into the games here uh, so let's get into our first one. There we go. That's what I needed. Uh, yeah. Like, I feel like, are you going to be like playing that every time you enter a room now? Like, I feel like that's like, I, well, I, I, I think it's actually, I think they should bring back this sound because this is the perfect sound for like when you're like on your phone watching a show because it cued like every time we went to a different camp, right? So like when you want to know that the scene is over with and they're moving on to the next camp, just listen for that sound that knows you get to pick your head up and actually watch it. Mm. That's a pretty good like text ring. That's, that, that's exactly what I was thinking. I feel that's like it would get annoying after sure like... They did it in 2000. I mean, I would say maybe text tone might be a bit much, especially nowadays. Like, I feel like you'd get annoyed with it by like this the 16th time, maybe ringtone because that's so rare. But it's also a very short clip. So maybe it wouldn't work well on a repeat. 
Hmm. Yeah, but anyone who knows that I did, that I made the cheesy theme song and the Biosgraph theme song, my text tone and call tone knows that I have my phone on silent. So it's much more like a symbolic thing than something that actually ever gets played. Yeah, no, I'm with Shannon on that one. My phone is also always on silent because my current text sound is houseguestsonly.com showmance from the Big Brother episode that happened like three years ago and it's still my background. So, or, uh, text sound. So yeah, I we're, get we're, it. we're talking about a survivor episode that aired 20 years ago. Okay. There's no, there's no <laughs> limit on age here, much like BB and his marital pursuits. Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. And we are back, so let's keep on keeping on. Uh, so the first game that I have here. So again, we talked about like all of these fun little bits from Survivor's past in the Borneo premiere. One of them that really started to phase out, I want to say either after Marquesas or Thailand, was not just the intro, but these little like intro shots. I guess they're more like gifts in the the modern parlance where Jeff would introduce each person and it would cut to that person either in their line of work or just a location. Uh, and it was a nice little like a uh, nice little nostalgia piece as to how they would introduce person by person rather than, you know, pouring through uh, bios and first one out videos, which are the ways we now get used to the cast members nowadays. So I figured what I would do is test how well both of you paid attention to those little intro videos. Uh, basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a thing that a person was doing in their little intro three-second clip. And if you think you know who it is, buzz in and then say who it is. If you get it right, you get a point. If you don't, you get zilch. Uh, do you have any fun Survivor-themed buzzing sounds that you want to use for this game? I don't think uh, I can, well, I can make I would like the... to borrow your, <laughs> your, yeah. your sound. Uh, I, I just want to say before we do this that I felt so confident that this was going to be a game and even while I was watching, I was like, oh, I should like write this down, which would have been cheating. And I didn't do it because I felt so confident it would be a game that I knew it would be cheating. So in terms of the game we're not playing, which is how well do you know the Bean Bee, I'm doing really, really well. Um, in terms of this game, I'm not sure how it'll go. But I'll just say marriage, and that'll be my my turn. Yes, marriage. They're marriage. Um, I was going to play a gong sound, but I'm trying to figure out how to get that to work on my phone, and it's not working. So I'm just going to say gong Okay, so we have Gong versus Adam Klein's marriage. Uh, not to be confused with his actual marriage, which is non-existent at this point. Uh, let's start here. So again, I'm going to read the pose or what we see them doing in their little intro video. If you think you know what it is, buzz in and give a guess. There are only 16 possibilities, luckily. All right, here's the first one. Who was posing in front of a bunch of TV screens in their intro package? <laughs> Oh, 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 gong, 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 Liana. gong, Gretchen, no, shoot, no, um, uh, Colleen. That is correct. 
Okay. Yes. I feel like she said Gretchen. Take it to the tape. Take it to the tape. Play it on all the TVs. Do you think they took Colleen to like a circuit city and just had her stand in front of like that big screen of TVs that are that are being sold? Probably. Um, that's exactly what it looked like. It was just, she was just like outside the window of an electronic shop from 2000. Well, I loved it though, because she's what they said. She was like a marketing student. So they're like, okay, what do marketing students do? They stand in front of TV screens of people walking downstairs and that's all they spend their time doing. <laughs> and they, they probably didn't it. think, they probably didn't think this was going to be ripped apart 20 years later in a <laughs> podcast, which didn't exist at the time. So they probably didn't pay as much attention to it as they should have. Yeah. They should put more thought into that. Come on. <laughs> Now listen, you, know. <laughs> you make Survivor for the games that show up on the B&B. 20 have, years later. <laughs> have the foresight that Shannon Gus does. Yes. Thank Imagine you. if they came to the producers and were like, look, we just need to pay like extreme attention to detail because it's going to be a game on the B&B podcast with Liana Boris and Mike Bloom. And they're going to be like, I don't know what any of that is. <laughs> what, what, what is You're any speaking of this? gobbledygook to me, Burnett. <laughs> and then the survivors are going to play Sequesta. Like, this is crazy stuff. And then I'm they'll have you. babies. This is how babies are made. Yeah. Imagine telling Jeff this stuff, not even 20 years ago, but also now. <laughs> yeah, it's oh be- my gosh. No. So speaking of intro shots, um, well, I don't know. No, but because uh, Ramona uh, is a biochemist and I was like, name a female scientist. Hint. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I wonder if Ramona was really thinking about Amelia Earhart while she was paddling to the island. <laughs> I'm sure my, my science uh, inspirations, <laughs> Amelia Earhart, uh, <laughs> Marie Curie. And when, and she is a biochemist. And what, what was she doing in the clip, would you say, <laughs> during, during the intro? <laughs> yeah, no, that I don't remember. So <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's maybe, maybe this will show up. Maybe she won't. Let's move on to this next one. Who is sitting at a table reading a newspaper in their intro clip? <laughs> Marriage. Shannon. Maybe? That is correct. Oh, I guess. I completely guess. I was like, who would read a newspaper? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. The CEO is reading a newspaper. Okay, makes sense. All right. Who is posing against some rocks in a ravine in their intro video? (laughs) What? Oh, oh, uh, gong, 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 gong. Liana. Uh, Kelly. That is correct. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I like how you sound so incredulous at first, and then you get it three seconds later. Well, no, <laughs> just because I was thinking, what? Who's in a ravine? <laughs> All right, next one. Who's standing in front of a giant wooden spool in their intro package? No. Someone was doing that? Someone was standing in front of a giant wooden spool in their intro video. Uh, marriage. I forgot my own thing. Shannon? I don't know what. Uh, Rudy? Nope, not Rudy. Liana, do you have a guess? A spool? Like, oh, uh, okay. I was thinking thread. I was thinking, like, biggest ball of twine in Minnesota spool. (laughs) But now that I'm thinking about it, it could be, like, a construction spool or something. Uh, I'm just gonna go Sue. I'm sorry, the correct answer was the aforementioned Ramona. Oh, shoot. See, if you would just let me know when we were talking about her. Why was she in front of a spool? I don't know. I'll send you guys the picture in the chat, the link to it. It's very random. She's a biochemist, but they don't have her in the lab. They have her standing in front of a giant wooden spool. Oh, yeah. They did not know what to do with women in STEM. 
<laughs> she literally says in the episode, I'm normally in my lab coat with goggles or something like that. It was like, put her in a lab coat. <laughs> Give her some glasses. I don't know. This is really weird. <laughs> it's a very weird choice. Possibly the weirdest choice besides Colleen and the Circuit City TVs is Ramona and the giant spool. Yeah, yeah, because biochemist feels like that should be easy. Like, just put her with some beakers in a lab yeah. coat. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Maybe they felt like, because they have Dr. Spoiler, but they have Dr. Sean in front of a bunch of x-rays. Maybe they thought there was too much, like, clinical stuff going on, so they wanted to get a little artsy by putting her in front of the modern art installment that's probably in front of her lab. <laughs> of course, the man got to be with all the science stuff. I don't know why I'm taking it to such a feminist place, but I will say, don't you think that, like, Gretchen is a bit of a feminist icon in this episode, where she, like, makes the fire, and Phoebe says to her, I'm going to keep working, sweetheart, and I'm like, in 2020, I definitely feel like he would have got cancelled. <laughs> yeah no gretchen was amazing in this episode yeah. i was like you badass like you go girl yeah. she's putting she's putting bb in his place but also like being in his good graces as well like showing her own work ethic i mean there's a reason why so many people talk about her boot as one of the <laughs> big survivor hooks in that first season it's because she was a really beloved figure so i i got we stand iconic it. queen yeah yes, she was queen. so stand worthy totally true <laughs> all right who in their intro package was standing outside and breathing dramatically in the cold. What? How do you define dramatically? Like they let out a breath and the condensed breath sort of formed a little puff of puff of smoke. Gong. Liana? Sue? I'm sorry, it's not Sue. Shannon, uh, you have a guess? I don't, but I will. I'm just going to uh, throw out a name. <laughs> this is, I, uh, I can't do this. Okay. Who would it be? Um, Sonia? I'm sorry, uh, you should be nervous because it was Jervis! Oh, why? Yeah. Oh, yes, no, right, because he's a YMCA basketball coach. Or, I knew that part. Wasn't he, is he in a basketball? I don't know, he's, I think he's in, I think it's, it's winter, or, so I think he's, like, in a, in a jacket, <laughs> and he's just, like, breathing out, you know, exhaling, and just, uh, the why dramatic... Why did they on a basketball court, though? Listen, I, it could have been worse. It could have been in front of a painting of a basketball, according to Survivor producer, so... Yeah, that's true. Or what? a wooden spool, because apparently that's also <laughs> acceptable. Yeah, weren't they just use the same spool? Weren't they should have used that as like the one place to take everyone's pictures before they sent them out? <laughs> yeah, that's what they should do. And now I'm thinking. So I don't know, Shannon. Oh, I don't know if either of you know this, but Roadside America. It's like this book where people have put together all of the sort of weird things that are in America. So. The, like the largest ball of twine in Minnesota is like one of mm. those things. And so I've seen a bunch of them. I've seen the largest fish made out of license plates. I've seen <laughs> the largest twin gold miners. It's outside of a casino. What? And I've like taken my picture in front of all of them. I've seen the largest soda cans. Um, and Wait, so, so the twin gold miners, they weren't people? They were statues? No, they were statues. They're statues. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought they were casino. just people on display. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they have to stand there the entire time in case you come by. Um, I've seen the Mike the Headless Chicken statue. That's actually near where my sister lives. Why, why are people getting funding to make statues of these things? <laughs> I, you know what? I don't know, man. But anyway, my point was, this had a point, is that's where I want my picture to be. If in some weird universe this ever happens, <laughs> where I I get to pick where I am getting my picture taken. You should come to Australia. We have something called the Big Banana. 
So, oh my god, that's amazing! No, that's perfect. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so cool. <gasps> yeah. Okay. It's I'll not tell- that cool. I mean, it's just a giant banana. No, that's pretty cool. I, I've seen the largest <laughs> thermometer as well, so I feel like look, my bar is pretty low. Okay. How big? How big Why is the did banana? You take it to that place. <laughs> I don't know. That's how my brain works. <laughs> how big is the banana? Uh, I don't know. I don't think I've ever been to the big banana. How many I have? Um, my memory is getting like really foggy, but it's like, it's like all crammed with all my full-time survivor work that I don't have space for anything else. From the big banana um, like a, measurements. Yeah. It's a few hours from where I used to live. Um, I think I stopped by it at a point. I think if, if ever I am on the show and I get like a little intro thing like this, which they still do obviously in Australian survivor, but like way bigger. Um, I would just want to be right here in my little podcast studio. Like, how could they say podcaster and just have me, like, breathing dramatically? Like, you would want me in my natural habitat, which is right in the seat. Wait, yeah, I'm just reading so this dramatic. now. Not only is the Big Banana, like, a, a, a tourist attraction, <laughs> it's also an amusement park. What? That's amazing. And know. also, you can walk through the banana. <gasps> okay, I've never been to the Big Banana, because I don't know any other things. It was just a giant banana. No, it had, that I would learn this it has a water slide, it has laser tag, it has mini golf, it has a toboggan ride. <laughs> oh my god, because I was just saying to Peter, like, now that international travel is going to be not on the horizon, I'm like, at least we can, you know, go other places in Australia and learn about our country. Like, you probably were thinking, like, you know, go to Northern Territory and, like, learn about our history and stuff, but instead I'm going to be like, big banana, we're going to play some mini golf. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly yeah. where I'm going. <laughs> we're going to see the banana. <laughs> I'm actually excited about this. This is on my list now. Like, what else am I doing? Driving yeah, exactly. the Thank you. It's on f- 45 acres of land, and it's recently celebrated 40 years. It was built in 1964, actually 50 years. Oh my god! Wow. One of us. That's well, not that of, recent, yeah. To celebrate. 40 oh my god! How old it's, is the article that you're reading? It's one of Australia's big things. There's a whole big things. Yeah. What else do we have? There's a big penguin. <laughs> Tell me about Australia. There's a big Wait, what? There's a big uh, guitar. Uh, okay. There's a big, p- big pears. Uh, there's a big avocado. Oh my god! Yeah, this, this is, is what I'm going to do this year. This I'm going to drive around to all the big things. Big chook. Amazing stuff. I guess that means chicken. Uh, the big gold <laughs> panner. A lot of oh, animals. A lot of animals. The gold yeah, panner. Wow. It would go with the, my. Ooh, the big prawn looks pretty big. <gasps> a prawn! Yeah, it's 20 feet by 30 feet. Oh! Okay, new vacation. When COVID-19 is over, that's what yeah, Pooh and I are doing. We're while, coming. But... We're coming to see you, Shannon, and here we're gonna Yay! see we're gonna see all the giant things. Yeah, the world, the biggest, the Australia's biggest tour coming to yeah. your Instagram feeds from Liana and Puya. I want to Google like where is the closest big thing to me. Oh, and <laughs> also there is the biggest smallest town. <laughs> well, I don't even Mul- know what that means. Mulumbimbi? Does that sound familiar, Shannon? Yeah, I'm sounding like the worst Australian ever. What happened? Located on the NSW far north course, just south of the QLD border in the Shire of Byron, this town claims to be Australia's biggest smallest town. <laughs> NSW and QLD was so adorable, Mike. <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming that stands for something. All right, we have. I have yeah, a couple of state names. Oh, <laughs> now okay. I'm laughing at you when I don't know enough about Australia, and you're not even Australian. I have no history. Anyway, continue. Uh, but well, we're going back to your like bread and butter with the survivor history. Uh, giant bread and giant butter. 
Yeah, exactly. They, At least a, have nothing left. <laughs> and there's a giant knife to connect the two that you can that has a, an arcade inside. Uh, who whose <laughs> intro package has them standing with their arms folded in front of two silos? Oh, uh, uh, uh shoot, gong, gong. Yeah, Liana. Is it is it Dirk? It's Dirk. Ah, yes. Being terribly Dirk. Ended. Dirk Bean. Uh, I feel like underrated character in this premiere. Considering the very first thing when Richard Hatch attempts to uh, bring some leadership to Tagi, he asks if he could piss first. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Dirk being the new. <laughs> <laughs> this is stupid. Can we like just talk for a second about what we're doing? Like, this is amazing. <laughs> uh, I, lo- I love this. Like, can we now create memes that says like Dirk being new? You know, like, uh, yeah. I don't know, like uh, try to take go to the bathroom. Try No, try to like invent the aqua dump. Dirk being new. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of memes. I think that's what we should be doing. We should be making Borneo premiere memes for the for the birthday. Like you could have like the distracted boyfriend meme, and you could have like him looking at working, and you could have like him <laughs> ignoring talking, which I know Richard would have been really upset about. There's oh, a lot there. Yes, I love this. Oh my god. Okay, I know what I'm doing tonight. This is so great. Oh, also, is- like Borneo, the entire Portmojo Borneo is Pagong. In like the, with the burning dog meme saying this is fine. Yes, oh, like that was, is the entire. I was gonna. Story. I was gonna say it's um the bur- the the meme of Hannibal Bur or of, of Eric Andre shooting Hannibal Burris, where it's like Pagong shooting Pagong and being like, how could Tommy <laughs> yeah. do this? Yeah, right. I've had to. I've had a couple of people who are super fans and go back to Borneo who have said to me like they know Pagong as a verb. And then mm-hmm. they come back to Borneo and like the Bagong tribe, they're like, this is not going to end well. <laughs> like, yeah. I know that this becomes the word for things going poorly. And this is the tribe name. And I just don't feel good about where this is going for Bagong. <laughs> yeah, right. it is funny to see it on screen. I mean, because obviously it's the tribe, right? But it's like, it, it because now we use it so much more to describe, right? To, as a verb instead of as the actual tribe is very odd to see on the screen. I was like, why? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, we knew that Gong would get eliminated. Dirk Bean knew. Yeah, Dirk Bean knowing. <laughs> All right. Uh, who in their intro video was sitting in khaki in the middle of the forest? Marriage. Shannon? <laughs> Sonia? I'm sorry, it was not Sonia. I've guessed twice and it's never heard. What was Sonia doing? <laughs> she was sitting on a couch with some very nice earrings. Oh, so what are you gonna get that question? Yeah, spoiler alert! <laughs> spoiler alert! It's not gonna be Sonya because she was sitting on a couch and some very nice earrings. Uh, Liana, do you have a guess? Is it Greg? It is Greg. Okay, I thought he also might have been the cold breath one because I remember him being <laughs> outside, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So the other ones were uh, pretty straightforward. Like Sue is standing with a hard hat. Uh, I think Rudy is saluting. Uh, there's one of Stacy Stillman who's in front of just the Golden Gate Bridge because she's from San Francisco. <laughs> it sucks that she got the Golden Gate Bridge and Ramona got a wooden spool. <laughs> I think Gretchen was like a weird selfie angle over children or something. Yeah, because she's because she's a preschool teacher at the time, so it was like this weird sort of. It looked like she was holding a selfie stick and like taking a picture of her and her three year olds. Yeah, that's the only one I could like picture in my mind because it was so weird. Well, congratulations, Liana. The gong has prevailed here. Four to one, you end we up winning this We have to read out the score, Mike. Why is that necessary? <laughs> just giving out the numbers here. It's just the very math. unnecessary. You're not invited to come on Liana's big things tour when we all go around Australia. Yeah. 
That actually sounds really fun. Please do that. Okay. <laughs> that sounds you good. can go to the big gold nugget in Douglas Daly. Ooh, the big hand in Alice Springs. <gasps> wow. Oh, and the fun thing is, not only is it a big hand, but there's also on one of the fingers, a hand sprouting out from that finger. <laughs> that That's really weird. trippy. It's very odd. Of course that exists. I can't wait to see it. Oh, Puya's going to be so mad at me. He's like, this is what These you want to spend. are all very different corners of the country as well. So you're going to be doing a lot of driving. You know, Australia is like pretty much as big as America in terms of just like size. So, <laughs> okay, <Good> well, <laughs> that's okay. I'll just, I'll have to, I'll be really smart about my traveling salesman plan when I put together the logistics, but we can figure it out. I really want to see the big hand and the little just- hand sprouting out of the big hand. Just make sure you go to Big Bolt and Nut as well, which is just a big rusted bolt and nut. Yeah, baby. <laughs> All right, Shannon, you already sort of talked about your, your some of your thoughts on the premiere. But before we move forward with anything, is there anything you want to bring up for discussion from this first ever episode of Survivor? I feel like I've been like pretty sacrilegious so far. Um, and my main thing was in terms of like, you know, the history. I think like, okay. Looking at it now, I know this has been discussed to, to death, but like looking at it now in the game we know now, I don't want to do a draft because I feel like that would take too long. But like if you had one pick of like who you could take for modern survivor to really excel at the modern game, who would you take? Ooh, that's a good question. I know some of them have actually played the modern game. So we have a <laughs> bit of actual I, context for I, it. I would say, I would say Colleen or Colleen, as BB refers to her in this first episode. We're like, I think there's a reason why she's the last Pagong eliminated. I think it's a bit of like her social acumen combined with like her general lack of popping out as a threat, but like doing okay in challenges. I think she's one of those like under the radar, really nice, really social characters that could do really well in a modern season. Should she, you know, somehow come back onto the radar from wherever the hell she's been and want to play Survivor again? Mm-hmm. I think that's a good pick. Um, obviously, I have to support my queen, Gretchen. So, yes, queen. Uh, I think Gretchen could do well. Uh, I think it would be really fun to see her play. Uh, and obviously, you know, she's amazing and iconic. So we stand. I feel like people have always talked about Greg coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What he could have done strategically. Greg, Greg would be interesting. The only thing about Greg is that Greg really did not take the game of Survivor seriously and i wonder like if he played like i feel like tyson has a little bit of that as well but he still has like a strategic side to him i do wonder on a modern season like if he still goes in with that jokey like this is all a sham persona will a tribe of gamers like really want to work with him in that regard if he's really not going to take things seriously and go rogue with the votes Mm -hmm. that's true i do see a lot of tyson though so i guess you know, the first couple of times won't go super well, and then eventually he would win. Eventually he would he would get it. <laughs> right. It is if it's the Tyson trajectory, okay, maybe it'll take a couple times, but he'll get there. All right. Uh, well let me uh should I queue up our next game, Leon? Yes. Okay, so this next game, uh this was weird because when I originally was thinking that we were gonna do this, I was like, Oh, so we'll pretend like it's two thousand and we're doing the podcast. Obviously that idea was very quickly shut down because it really doesn't even make sense. 
But uh, and because my whole point was, I was like, how do I because we're going to play. OK, spoiler alert. We're going to play what the bleep. So I was like, how did 2000 Liana come up with a game that doesn't air until like 2016? And I was trying to think of some weird like loophole explanation, wormhole explanation. There, there's no explanation yeah, no, needed. I no, I <laughs> I was like, Liana, you have to make this believable. <laughs> Something that would happen in 2000. So I don't know. Anyway, that was a really long rambling prelude. But the point is, is that I found an interview with Sonia on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart when it was, you know, way back, way back when in 2000. And so what I did was I pulled the audio from it and we're going to play some clips and we're going to play what the bleep. So what I've done is I bleeped out a particular part of the clip and it's going to be up to you we'll go back and forth to guess what is said and i have multiple choice so you don't just have to guess out of the blue okay and i also have the answer clips because i learned from the last time we do it it's way more satisfying to like hear the answer so i spent a lot of time doing this more time than was probably necessary as much time as it took to explain this which is completely also unnecessary but anyway okay so (laughs) shannon you are up first okay so mike if you can play clip one please There is a problem playing this audio. Oh, okay, hold on, hold on. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Please welcome Sonia Christopher. You need more water, we'll get you more water. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Shannon. Did John Stewart say, no messing around here, no survival here, no rationing here, or no Y2K here? Ooh, it is 2000, so there's a good chance it might be D, Shannon. Well... I want to say, like, in terms of, like, the 2000 thing, like, I feel like I'm caught in a timeline because at the moment, so I'm watching, I watched this episode due to this podcast, now we're listening to this, like, peak 2000. I'm watching The Last Dance, which is about a 1998 basketball team, so I'm, like, very much caught in that era. I'm watching, like, old, like, circa 2001 era Friends. Like, I very much feel trapped in a timeline, like, 20 years before now. But I'm going to say no rationing because that makes the most sense okay so first of all speaking of memes this is the what year is it meme like shannon (laughs) watching borneo (laughs) what year is it um okay so you guessed rationing mike play the answer clip let's find out please welcome sonia christopher survival here oh okay you need more water we'll get you more water i'm sorry shannon it was survival yes and sorry that clip was long because i wanted the whole intro it was like so weird going back and watching it too because Mm -hmm. the interview because it was like wow this is so awesome to think it, it reminded me what uh 
big deal Survivor was. You know, the fact that the first boot from Survivor went on The Daily Show. Or maybe it just shows where The Daily Show was. You know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so so what did she, did she take his water? Is yeah. that why he's saying no survival here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he they have two water glasses. And so she like pulls for his cup or something like that. So, But you get as much water as you want in Survivor as well, right? Uh, if, yeah, I don't know. In Survivor, in Survivor, they got that blue wash tub that they had to walk like what three hundred seventy-five paces to find. Mm-hmm. But if you walk there, like you can have as much as you want. They're definitely not rationing water. You don't have to like steal each other's water. John Stewart even watched the episode. Is my question. <laughs> He's a busy man. He has a show on four days a week. <laughs> he does talk a lot in this interview. I was like, let Sonia talk. Okay. <laughs> so, so, Mike, you are up next for clip number two. First of all, you you were on an island with was it sixteen people, fifteen people, fifteen? Yeah, what's going people. on? Sixteen. You were <laughs> very pleasant. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, does John Stewart say, "A, you were a nice lady." B, a great person, C, a fun human, or D, a game changer. Okay, well, thank you for the Kayla strategy here. Clearly, we know what D is going to be. Uh, C sounds like he is an alien. So if that is the correct answer, I think that proves something more about Jon Stewart. I'm going to say he said she was, what was it? It was a nice lady or what was B? A great person. Great person. I'm going to say nice lady. Okay find out first of all you were, you were on an island with was it 16 people 15 people 15, 15 other people you. 16 you were a nice lady very pleasant so mike that is correct yes wow. nice lady he doesn't he doesn't yeah. know how many people are in the season but he knows she was a nice lady also so a couple of things he definitely did not watch the episode he got some notes from a producer like right before the segment he didn't even know, like, how would, he doesn't even know that there's tribes. Like, how would there be 17 people? This isn't Survivor Fiji that has, like, an odd number of people. And also, I feel like that is the worst compliment of all time. <laughs> you, you were, you were pleasant. You're a nice lady. Like, that's, that's actually almost an insult. Wasn't even a neat lady. You're a nice lady. Not a nice lady. She's, she's, maybe she is a game changer in that way. Like, she could walk so Monica Culpepper could fly. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, now I'm just laughing at a funny <laughs> fun human so you were a fun human i wrote that (laughs) thinking it was totally normal (laughs) okay maybe i'm the alien okay well (laughs) michael's like whoever would say this organically someone who would write that is a sociopath yeah (laughs) clearly not real um okay well shannon you i think you're gonna have even less faith in john stewart watching the episode after this next clip clip number three those 15 other people quite frankly the bastards that's what i'm saying i didn't care for them yeah so i I don't know if he thinks all 15 of them voted him out but or her out but anyway okay so stole her water too yeah i know ration the water okay uh drown the bastards so a drown the bastards b screw the bastards c vote off the bastards or d Doink the bastard. 
<laughs> compelling case to D. What was A and B? A was drown the bastards, and B was oh, like a lot. screw the bastards. Voting off would be mean because it's like, well, you will. I mean, most of them will be voted off, but also Sonya can't do that because she obviously isn't in the game anymore. Uh, unless she goes to the edge of extinction. <laughs> uh, PTSD. Um, but she does have the capacity to drown them. I mean, anyone can run back angrily and and do that. I think screw the bastards, which I guess she also has the capacity to do. Okay, find the answer. Those 15 other people, quite frankly, drown the bastards. That's what I'm saying. Oh. I didn't care if it John. I know, right? Like, Shannon, your logic is flawless, okay? Like, I was like, when he said that, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Can you say that? And then I was like, oh, it's 2000, okay? Wait, so John Stewart immediately <laughs> followed up, you were such a nice lady with, you should have drowned them all. Yes. Yeah, that was that. Those two clips were right next to each other. It was like you were such a nice lady, very pleasant. Those other fifteen people drowned them. <laughs> mm. I'm playing a side game called "Who Would Be Cancelled in 2020." So far, I've got BB and John Stewart already. <laughs> okay, uh, so Mike, this next question is for you. Did oh. you like these people? Uh, yes, actually, I did. Sure, sure. I, I, I seriously uh, liked them. I tried to. I had tried to like them. <laughs> tried to like them. Uh, as you, <laughs> there were <laughs> certain, uh, you know, things quirks. started. Yeah, quirks. Okay, so Mike, hey. as you spent time with them, B, as you lived with them, C, as you got to know them, or D. As you burned CDs from them. From them? <laughs> I don't know. These are my two. Okay, I'm pretty sure this D is just a robot of like, I burn, uh, where is your CD drive, Rudy? <laughs> no, that was me being like, okay, what happened in 2000? Oh, yeah, it's before MP3s, right? People were burning <laughs> CDs. But oh. like off of them? I you know, like it's a CD burning party. <laughs> Yeah, but like what you're implying is that the direct object is the person that they're burning CDs off of them <laughs> from them. <laughs> I don't know. All like, right, all right. Well, it's definitely not D. My brain. Yeah, but I. But I'm. But speaking of CD, I'm inclined to go with C here, as you got to know them. Okay. Good guess. Good guess. Did oh. you like these people? Uh, yes, actually, I did. Sure, sure. I, I, I seriously uh, liked them. I tried to. I had tried to like them. <laughs> tried to like them. Uh, as you got to know them, there were <laughs> certain, uh, you know, things quirks. started. Yeah, quirks. Well, congrats, Mike. Yes, that was correct. As you got to know them, it was not as you burned CDs from them. <laughs> Why is he so angry, though? Like, I, this is what started the whole culture of, like, if you play the game, you're a bad person. Like, actually, the kind of mateship thing that kind of can exist in Australian Survivor. Like, he's advocating we drown these people because they have to vote someone out, Jon Stewart. I don't think he gets how it works. Jon Stewart would <laughs> totally be a bitter watch. juror. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Really. I, I also love this now history of tracing back where that thinking came from to this specific interview <laughs> was yeah Sonya i mean listen that's amazing we're talking all the time about like jimmy fallon and you know tyler perry's influence on the game it all came back 
from Jon Stewart. He was the one that really drew the path to the way the final tribal council is now, to the fire-making challenge. Like, he was the most uh, vociferous audience member about how the game should be played. <laughs> I mean, he said to drown them, so he did not do that. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Okay, so Shannon, this next clip is for you. There was one man who, I think you've seen him on TV, uh, who was very... Yeah, Pat Sajan. His... That's how you're talking about Pat Sajan? No. Oh, anyway, Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen him, John Stewart. John Stewart has no idea what's going on. So that's Rudy why he went with the, boy, the host of Wheel of Fortune, Pat Sajak. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, this is not what I expected a Pat Sajak reference, but okay, fine. All right, so how how does Sonia uh, uh, describe Rudy? Is it A, very formal, B, very outspoken, C, very boisterous, or D, very talk to the hand? (laughs) How much did you amuse yourself as writing these fake answers? Yeah, a lot. I'm going to say... What was the second one? Uh, Outspoken. I'll say outspoken. Okay. There was one man who, I think you've seen him on TV, uh, who was very outspoken. Pat Sajan. Are you talking about Pat Sajan? No. Oh, Rudy. Rudy. Congrats, Shannon. Yes, it was outspoken. Um, I also say good, good on Sonya for putting up with John Stewart's shtick here. That like she's trying to like have a legitimate conversation, and he's just bringing in <laughs> Pat Sajak jokes and telling her to drown everybody. <laughs> like I remember watching The Daily Show, and I I was more annoyed with John Stewart in this interview than I like ever ever was. I was like, did I was that like have, have I changed, or is it just this interview? <laughs> is it because I love Sonya? Like what is going on? Um, but yeah, I was just I was trying to find clips where she was talking, and I could bleep her because that would be funny to hear Sonya get bleep. <laughs> uh, but fine. All right, Mike, uh, this next one is for you. What was the worst thing that happened to you while you were there uh, physically? Did you get a bite? Uh, physically, uh, I probably well my got very beaten up <laughs> okay mike <laughs> did she what is arthur d gonna be <laughs> it's did gonna she... be like uh i don't know my monica Lewinsky or something <laughs> um okay so did she say a her neck b her back c her feet or d her crack <laughs> I mean, I don't know the 90s fair. reference? I know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Pooey wrote that one. I can't, like, I can't. He no, we like, didn't. Yeah, it was I like, just not on That's They talk so all the time mean. about your feet getting gnawed up, about, you know, you're getting bites on your legs. But they really don't tell you your butt crack takes a real beating over the course of 39 days, JS. Yeah, you, you never know. You never know the things they don't tell you. You gotta wear padded underwear from then on out because your butt crack has so much wear and tear. <laughs> Dr. Joe, get in here. There's something wrong with Penner's butt crack. I need you to take a look at it. Why did this Medi-dack. go into the life of Paul? Like, why is Medi- that? Like, Medi crack. I've got Medi crack. <laughs> is that what Rory was talking about? He was just trying to find those very beaten up crack. Yeah, exactly. So you could slip in there and then get medevac because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. okay, so when it's, I agreed I'm, to go on the B and B, I was promised no one would make a medi crack pun. 
Specifically, that, that promise has been broken. Yep. Uh, all right, so we have what? Neck, back, and now I can't get crack out of my head. So, oh, feet. Uh, neck, back, and feet. So I can imagine that back would make sense because of the sleeping conditions, especially those first few days. Feet, I feel like, would be from someone that's like lasted a while. I'm going to say back. Okay, let's find the answer. What was the worst thing that happened to you while you were there? Uh, physically, did you get a bite? Uh, physically, uh, I probably, well, my feet got very beaten up. Oh, sorry, my oh, I'm glad we stayed that. I'm glad we stayed that far south, considering what D was. <laughs> yeah, we didn't go all the way to the D. Just staying with the feet. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> before we get you guys, I gotta say, like, I haven't been on the BB for a long time, and like, you guys need to take a long hard look about where you've gotten to as podcasters. <laughs> Much like Liana will take a big hard look at the big G in Gracemere in Australia. Is there like one Wikipedia page where you're finding all of these things like in one place? Absolutely. Okay. So I'm like, are you just like Googling every single one? I'm excited for the big potato. Yeah, there's the big... There's the big macadamia nut as well. Oh, great. I can make it all food themed. There's also the big It's, 50, it's 52 prong. feet high. Wow. Oh, I'm going to say that's just like normal height. The macadamia nuts are pretty small. <laughs> Even a big one would maybe just be only relatively large. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Well, the big potato doesn't seem to even be a potato. It looks like a rock. So I believe the <laughs> macadamia nut is probably not real. Well, maybe that's a big scheme is you can paint a rock to look like anything and be like, it's the world's biggest amoeba. <laughs> but can you put an arcade in it? Uh, ooh, can you have laser tag in the world's largest amoeba rock, Mike? <laughs> Well, I, I guess we're going to have to make that. We have to carve out the rock to make sure that happens. Watch out for the crack. Watch out. Actually, I'm kind of worried. Like, all of these things must be suffering from, like, really poor tourism at the moment. So I hope that people do come and check them out after. I mean, Shannon, I don't know. That. I don't know exactly if their tourism problem started in 2020. Hmm. Rude. They're, they're just sitting there. <laughs> they have laser tag. People like me, Mike, that'll go and visit. So, yes, they must be doing poorly because they do rarely leave the house. But, uh, all right, this is our final round of questions. So, Shannon, you're up first. Mike, can you play clip number seven? You're off the coast of Borneo, uh -huh. and there's like CBS executives or camera guys walking around, probably eating like blimpy sandwiches, and you're in there. <laughs> You're cutting up rats? What? <laughs> well, well, you know those guys were getting dominoes, the, the crew. Right, but they did in front of us. So, you know, they were just always out there, you know, holding booms over our heads or putting cameras in our faces. <laughs> okay, Shannon, <laughs> was it A, eat in front of us, B, snack in front of us, C, munch in front of us or D play snake on their phones in front of us <laughs> yes that was that's legit that was good uh, I, didn't, cause I didn't have a phone in 2000 wow. obviously because I was 7 but I you do know, remember like all my cousins and I would fight to get a turn on my grandpa's phone to play I, snake I, 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 I actually do remember there's a part in um, Burnett's book where he's like, you know, this crew was really ragtag. We worked really hard. But damn it, if we couldn't get them away from playing Snake for two minutes to cover somebody's big blind side. I wouldn't blame them. Like, that game was so addictive. The crazy thing is, like, you can get it on the iPhone. You know, you can get it as an app, but it's just not it's not the same, you know? There's something about I used to play it all the time the on Neopets. Buttons. 
Yeah, I think I actually will download it now that we're yeah. We're I kind of want isolation. I kind of want to listen. Play I, th- I think it's too. also very it's Borneo theme. They should have came out with the Borneo theme snake, right? Where you're a snake and you have to eat all the rats. <laughs> well, they didn't have like themes for things because it was literally just a line and a dot. But, um, I don't but know now how... they would do that. Well, they didn't I don't have the technology at the time to do that. I don't know if you remember, but back during Africa around Marquesas, they actually offered flash games on the Survivor website. I remember one where you uh, were able to fish and you were able to choose every castaway, and they did. They had them sort of decorated like caricature styles. So they were like ghastly, large, cartoonish heads on little bodies. Uh, that's uh, something that's burned <laughs> in my retinas forever. I definitely don't remember that, and that I wasn't watching the show, and I was nine. It's the new version um, of the Wii, or the Mies, right? Those are the little yeah, exactly. things, the big heads. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to be eat in front of us, right? Yes, that's correct. Oh, sorry. Shoot! Oh, no! <laughs> I wonder what the answer will be. Oh, no. <laughs> You're off the coast of Borneo, uh-huh. and there's like CBS executives or camera guys walking around probably eating like blimpy sandwiches, and you're in there... <laughs> You're cutting up rats? What? No. <laughs> well, well, you know those guys were getting dominoes, the, the crew. Right, but they didn't eat in front of us. So, you know, they were just always out there, you know, holding booms over our heads or putting cameras in our faces. <laughs> now you have to listen to the long clip. Uh, and uh, how much of a 2000s clip is that, though, with, like, references to blimpies and dominoes? Like, dominoes is still in the game, but I feel like blimpies is, like, a staple of the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought about bleeping the Blimpy sandwiches part. To our Australian life. friend, you probably would not know it, whether or not Blimpy's was an actual sandwich chain. Like that could have been I my don't know that. yeah, that could have been my joke answer. <laughs> like you might not have known any different. Um, is there a giant Blimpy sandwich? Yeah, so that is more in my wheelhouse. Oh my god, uh, the giant giant sandwich. Oh my god, I could go for a sandwich right now. Uh, is it too late to get a sandwich? Well, right, don't well, eat okay, it in whatever, front of I'll us. I'll figure it out later. Yeah. <laughs> just, I'll just uh, hold the camera. Okay, so we are all tied up. It comes down to this final question because I do not have a tiebreaker. So, Mike, this last clip is for you. I couldn't believe it. You were the nicest person clearly on the island. Well, you know why I was voted off, really, don't you? Uh, uh, it was cooties? No, I don't know. Why, why would they vote you off? It was my. Was it really? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> the crack came back. So you guys are beating up crack. Okay. <laughs> so, my, Mike, was it A, it was my fall in the challenge? B, it was my beaten up feet? C, it was my ukulele playing? Or D, it was my Backstreet Boys fandom. Instinct sucks. I mean, listen, I'm gonna okay. agree with I'm gonna agree with D. Uh, Millennium album forever with the number four in there. I feel like I think like I, I just did my first wedding dance to the Backstreet Boys. Like I'm definitely stuck in 2000 right now. Kind of concerning. Be. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking it's between B and C because I feel like she's she like she's media trained at this point, right? She wants to end on a zinger. So either she's going to make a reference to the beat up feet or she's going to end with like a punchline in front of funny man, John Stewart of, oh, it was actually my ukulele playing that got me voted out. So, you know what? I'm going to go with the more jokey answer here. I'm going to go with C. All right. You fool me once. Shame on me. So now I know not to say it. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't believe it. You were the nicest person clearly on the island. 
Well, you know why I was voted off, really, don't you? Uh, uh, cooties? No, I don't know. Why why would they vote you off? It was my ukulele playing. Was it really? (laughs) I knew it. She ended with a joke. Go on on top, Sonia. That's right. World again. (laughs) All right. Well, congratulations, Mike. This was a close one, uh, but you were able to secure the win in the end with your super weird inside baseball logic of Sonia's media trained and will want to (laughs) end on a joke with funny man John Stewart. Okay. Listen, results speak for themselves. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, and joke is like you know a stretch there. And and the crazy thing is that John Stewart wouldn't know if she was kidding about even having a ukulele because he did not watch the episode okay well oh, so- oh, oh ukulele did you play that in front of pat sajak and the blimpies <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you ate at blimpies um actually if you'd like to hear i'll tweet out the link to the the interview it's still up on comedycentral.com but she actually has a ukulele with her and john oh, okay. stewart plays it was very uncomfortable um like plays it and wait, sort of wait, sings at one point it was like he played it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Wait, Which so she so grabbed stupid. his water and he said no, and then he grabs for her ukulele and decides to play it. Yeah, and Sony's like, yeah, it was my personal item. And then he like plays something quick for her, but it's like not even a real song. It was very odd. It was very odd. Um, yeah, I think the reason that she ended on that zinger, quotation marks, is because she was probably waiting for him to be like, well, you, will you play us out or will you play us a little something? And he just like didn't take the hint. <laughs> yeah, that's entirely possible. Or it was supposed to be a setup like for her to play. She brought her ukulele. Yeah, no, I mean, I know. Like, he's an and, play. I mean, for that capacity, he should have invited like Wanda and Seku, like invite all the musical survivors so that you know they're going to be able to play you out. Mm-hmm. These people haven't been on the show yet, Mike. It's 2000. Yeah, Mike. I'm getting confused about yeah, where we're at. Talk to the hand, crack. <laughs> you <laughs> doink. <laughs> I was like, I need 2000. I called my sister. And that's what we came up with. You doink? Yeah. I don't even Is- know if that's right. Like, if so, blame Marisa. It's not my fault. Whatever. I feel like you're placing, like, in terms of, like, preparation for the podcast. You're just, you're not going in the right direction. Well, like, it wasn't necessary to call your sister to think of the word doink. Oh, no. Well, apparently, uh, <laughs> there there was a wrestler in the 90s named Doink the Clown. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. <laughs> Maybe that's where she got it. Yeah, my poor family has, like, been subjected to very odd things. Um, like, can you uh, please help me come up with slang from 2000? Because I need to make a bunch of Kalish joke answers, which none of that makes sense to them. Like, they... They are speaking. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were talking. Well, we were talking before the show of like when you have a small community and they speak a, le- a certain language within that community, you know, survivor is like our language. And so trying to communicate with people outside of that is very confusing. But anyway, congratulations, everyone. And we're all. Oh, my God, here. Mike. Yeah. Doink the clown. Doink the clown is terrifying. Oh, my God. He sent us the Wikipedia link to Doink the clown and he's. So scary! Why would you just send that with no warning? <laughs> that is yeah, really warning for listeners at home. Don't oh look up Doink the Clown. I like the- well, that was cruel. Like first you beat me in the game, and then you send me a Wikipedia link to rub it in of Doink the Clown, and I'm genuinely scared. <laughs> mm, was Doink the Clown the first version of like the insane clown posse? Is this where we started? I mean, they started pretty. Ins- it started clown? insane already. If that was the case, it didn't need to go even more insane. But God help us if there is a giant doink the clown. Hmm. Does doink? I hate this. Does doink the clown? Oh yeah, multiple people. So that's a good thing about the mask is multiple people can play doink the clown, and doink the clown's <laughs> legacy can live on. 
Well, this it's is so when I this is when I should that. probably admit to this, guys, that I am indeed <laughs> Doink the Clown. Very believable. Yeah, the first thing I went to see is like, is Doink the Clown dead? Um, <laughs> Please tell me he is. No, the whole point is he's a character, so he can never die. <laughs> oh no, this is Shannon's nightmare. <laughs> really like a nightmare. All right. Well, no. Wait. Wait until next time we invite Shannon on when Liana's going to play the exclusive interview between John Stewart and Doink the Clown. <laughs> yeah, baby. No worry. He won't let Doink the Clown talk, so it's fine. And he's never watched any even one of his wrestling matches, so it's fine. <laughs> Before we get into the next game, I want to bring up one quick thing. We talked about all like the the fun little things. That obviously, did not carry over from Borneo. Uh, one of them specifically in this episode was Jeff explaining to us like not only the immunity challenge but also tree mail. And it's, I'm loving mailman Jeff Probst of him walking up to tree mail, putting the message in, and then walking away. I know, I love that he hand-delivered it. I also had that in my notes. Like, can you imagine if they asked season 40 Jeff? Like, even as, like, a bit for season 40 to hand-deliver tree mail, there's just no way in, like, a million years that he was getting out of his, you know, hotel room to do that, right? Oh my gosh, that was so funny. That was so good. <laughs> and there were just a lot of actually really fun Jeff Probst moments. Like, I know he didn't narrate the challenge, but when the tribe, like, when they have to take their walk through the jungle to get to tribal council, and Jeff is sort of like, what could happen? You know, is Rudy going to be sent home because of this? Like, he's doing this narration thing, which was really funny. Um, very enjoyable. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that Jeff Probst in this episode is really interesting. Like, uh, but we already get a sense of like the insubordination against him. Like when he pulls out the immunity idol and everyone's sarcastically like, oh, ooh, ah, like with the, you know, ch- ch- chintzily painted totem. Uh, this is like a nice little indicator as to when the Pagongs are going to try to vote for him or when everyone tries to mock him and he gets really angry in the process. Like Jeff Probst was not regarded, obviously, in the way that he is today. Uh, very much so in Borneo. He was just sort of one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was another good Jeff Probst moment? I mean, he sort of like wasn't even I mean, yes, of course, he d- was the mailman. Um, and he also set up the concept of the first marooning, which was really fun. But it, it just it felt like he was not as big of a part of the show as he is now. And obviously, Jeff's role has changed throughout the show's history. Uh, but I thought that that was sort of an interesting thing to note, although he does look very similar uh, to what he looks I do, like now. I do like there was one thing he said when he was um, introducing the challenge. Don't put me in the position of having to make a judgment call. I don't want to. There's too much at stake. Like that is definitively two thousand probes, right? Yeah. That- well, it could have it could have been possible because the, the challenge was thirty seconds, so the odds of it being pretty close were quite high. Like it was a nothing challenge. Anyway, whatever. they were like, we don't have episode, we don't have tapes to go back and check the tapes. Yeah. So like- we'd ask our cameraman, but they're too busy eating blimpies, so they probably missed it. <laughs> right. But he actually, he actually also, speaking of Jeff Prost moments, he takes a really nice moment uh, when he brings the, bo- the votes back. He says, there were a lot of steps along the way. Any of you could have turned around. None of you did. And in my book, that gives you bragging rights for life. Like, look at you, Jeff Probst, like giving kudos to these people right before one of them gets voted out and Jon Stewart prompts her to drown the other 15 people. <laughs> if, yeah, if only 16, Jeff, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? We don't know how many. <laughs> So I wanted to uh, bring up a game uh, that sort of looks upon Survivor history because we are sort of stuck in a weird Survivor time right now, but we're simultaneously in 2000, according to Doink the Clown, and also in 2020. And you know what? This episode had the first ever confessional 
from Rudy, as I mentioned before, in which he uh, he talks about having the boxes in the water, dragging them behind the raft. So I figured what I would do, and this is sort of uh, mimicking something that Peridium brought to the B&B early this season in Survivor 40, is I have gone through the books and I have picked out some of the first quotes from a Survivor season. Uh, and here how this is, here's how this is going to work. So I have them separated into three categories, easy, medium, or hard. Uh, you are going to pick a category. I'm going to read a quote. And then you can either tell me the season name if you want to, or the person who said it. And if you're able to get both, I'll give you a bonus point. Uh, easy points will be easy questions will be worth one point. Medium questions will be worth two points, and hard questions will be worth three points. You have the potential of getting four points in a round if you get a hard question right, the season, and the person. So uh, we shall test how good you are in your Survivor premiere skills. Mm, interesting. Okay. What are the odds that you'd be able to guess the person and not the season? I don't know. Med, there have been people that have played in multiple seasons. That's true. I mean, it just seems pretty unlikely. Anyway, go just on. guess Boston is, Rob, and you'll have like a, you'll have a you'll have a five out of forty chance or six out of That's forty true. chance. Um, all right, well, Shannon, I'm going to guess Boston Rob if I don't know all the time. Same. Just know that. All right. Well, Shannon, <laughs> let, let's let's start with you, actually. And we'll assume that Boston Rob is the automatic answer. But do you want to go easy, medium or hard? Medium. OK, here is your medium quote. Whoa, I'm on the wrong team. Why do they think I'm older? Do I look older? OK, so it's an age delineated season. Um. All right, I'm going to go with Nicaragua. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Uh, Leon, I will give you the chance to steal. Oh, no. Well, Ooh. <laughs> uh, okay, so, okay. Uh, wait, it's not Nicaragua? It is not Nicaragua. Well, it should be. Okay, so somebody... Oh, no, I know who it is and I know who said it. Damn it. Please, no. Okay. I want to steal from Liana if she gets it wrong. Okay. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Well, now I just want to hear Shannon's answer. Like, that conviction is so outstanding. I, okay, I throw my answer. I'm going to say Boston Rob. Okay, sure. For the first time in B&B history, we are going back to the original person. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to feel really bad if I get it wrong now. Okay, go ahead. I think it's Serene in Panama. That is correct. Oh, I can't believe I got a re question wrong to begin with. Yes, that I is when myself. Jeff announced the four tribes infamously for one episode. It was the older women, older men, younger men, younger women, and Sari was mortified that she was on the older women's tribe. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah, remember that. So, Shannon, you get two points plus a bonus point for guessing Sari. So I, I did not deserve all those points. Three points I, mean, right I got now. it wrong. Uh, all right. Well, you know how much you hate me giving ghost chizzy points. So I'm not going to give you ghost points for this one. I'll give you outright corporeal points. It feels even more unfair. But yeah, sure. <laughs> all right. Liana, your pick. Easy, medium, or hard? Uh, I'll go medium as well. Okay. I'm like in love with Stephanie. So when I found out that she was on our team, I was like, oh, we're winning. We got Stephanie. We're like, we're good to go. Oh, okay. So this is Guatemala. That's correct. For a bonus point, can you guess who said it? Uh, is it Danny? Sorry, it is not Danny. Shannon, I'll give you a chance to steal the bonus point. Who do you think said this? Rafe? Sorry, it was Brian Cordan, Platinum himself. Oh, 
Who would have thunk? That's interesting. The biggest Stephanie stand. Yeah, as we now know. <laughs> All right. Shannon okay, Bat- I think, thinking, Speaking of Guatemala, I was thinking like the opportunity for Kalish math is very high right now because there's so many points at stake. So I'm, ho- yeah, I'm hoping that Mike is keeping track because it's like. I have, I have enough fingers and toes. And toes. My feet are not that beat up. <laughs> but how big are they? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's a question for Colleen's uh, <laughs> multiple TV screens. All right, Shannon, easy, medium, or hard? Medium. Okay, well, all right. This lady with her free-flowing mullet, she's probably some super outdoors woman that will naturally set forth as our leader. I have to think Samoa. That is correct. Bonus point, can you guess who said it? Laura Moret. As incorrect. Liana, do you want a chance to guess who had the first confessional of Survivor Samoa about the mullety outdoors woman? Dave Ball. Sorry, oh. it was none other than any, than super charismatic figure Brett Clouser had the ah. very first confessional in Survivor Samoa. No freaking not way. another confessional for the whole season. That's like a long con joke. I feel like the editors are playing on us. Oh, Alright, Liana, back to you. Me, me again? Yes. Okay. Easy, medium, or hard. What did Shannon do? What category did you do last? Medium. medium. You did medium. Only medium. Yeah. We've all only done medium. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, let's do. Let's do. Let's do hard, baby. Okay. Let's do hard, baby. <laughs> Here we go. My tribe is a very eclectic group, and it's going to be very interesting to watch how this shakes out. I can't wait to start wheeling and dealing and building shelters and winning challenges and voting people out. Boston Rob. <laughs> Yeah, that's really hard. Uh, I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Shannon, do you have a guess? Okay, Shannon, that means it's not a Boston I Rob really season. Really don't. I, I was thinking like after Liana said hard, I was like, I might take it to hard, try and meet her there. But I'm, I'm like, I've been scared back down to easy. I think. <laughs> um, well, give me the quote again. I'll buy time. <laughs> My tribe is a very eclectic group, and it's going to be very interesting to watch how this shakes out. I can't wait to start wheeling and dealing and building shelters and winning challenges and voting people out. Survivor Thailand. Sorry, that is incorrect. It is none other than our grand poobah of Rob has a podcast. Rob Sesternino had oh. the very first quote in oh. Survivor All Stars. <laughs> yeah, but that happened in the future. In Great confession. We're in 2000, so yeah. we wouldn't know yeah. that. No, this obviously. was this was um this was the most Rupert tweet of First Confessionals by far. It is the most generic description of Survivor I've ever heard in my life. So it's very surprising that it's coming from Rob. I want to put that as the new description for the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are going back to you, Shannon. Easy, medium, or hard. Okay, I will try hard if that one was the hardest one. I think right. the other hards would be as hard as that hard was hard. Continue. I'm a buyer <laughs> for a major department store. I am demanding. I made pretty much every person that's ever worked for me cry at one point. I guess I am the devil, yeah. Yeah, that's really hot. <laughs> um, no joke. I don't know who this could be. It's so hard when you're just trying to think about all 500 <laughs> contestants to think who this could be. This is like a... Um, I'm going to go back down to easy after this. Say it again. <laughs> I'm a buyer for a major department store. I'm demanding. I made pretty much every person that's ever worked for me cry at one point. I guess I am the devil, yeah. Token jeans? It is not from token jeans. Leona, do you have a guess as either the person or the season? Uh, (laughs) 
is it China? It is not China. Believe it or not, the very first confessional in Survivor Worlds Apart is So Kim. What? Oh, yeah. See, that's hot. See, I, I, it would have taken me ages to go through the catalog to get to So Kim. I mean, Kim. I had no idea that So... I mean, all I remember about So Kim is Neutral Box and that her and her sister do, not Doink, was almost on season 29. I didn't realize she was a buyer for a major department store. I didn't realize that she made multiple people cry and that she called herself the devil. Yeah. Yeah, like, if, if the confession would be in the future, I will date Malcolm, which will make multiple people cry, I'm basically the devil, I would have got that. But that's... <laughs> I don't know. Shannon, it might make multiple people cry. For me, it makes me point at them and laugh. And, mer- and merriment at them at their yeah, love. You're the devil, <gasps> the survivor you're devil. The devil. Yeah, it all makes sense now. Going the clown is the survivor devil. <laughs> we guys, we've cracked the code. It all makes sense now. <laughs> all right, Liana, we are going back to you. Well, I want to go easy to get some points, but I'm also embarrassed if I don't get it. Okay, let's go easy. Let's see how easy the easies are. He says the game starts. You're taking nothing. I was like, oh shit. Oh crap! What was the no? Oh shit! Oh shit! I'm sorry. Oh shit! Okay, what was the first season where they didn't like have anything? Because I assume that's what it is. Can you say it again? He says the game starts. You're taking nothing. I was like, oh shit! The game starts. You're taking nothing. I assume it's from when survivors like we have to make this so hard they will get no supplies. I'm gonna go with. Dude, I don't freaking remember. This is so embarrassing. See, this is a hard one. Okay, I'm going to say Boston Rob. That is incorrect. Shannon, do you have a guess as to the person or the season? Sandra and Paul Island. Oh, damn it. That is correct. Two points for <laughs> yeah, you. Was, yeah, okay, that's an iconic confessional. I want to go easy. I want those points. <laughs> All right. You want to do another easy one? Yeah. In this my is fun. W- this doesn't make my head hurt. I like <laughs> In my world, I've always tried to show that good will win. Heroes versus villains? That is correct. Do you know the person? Rupert. That is yeah. also correct. <laughs> okay. That feels right. It's weird to hear Mike read a Sandra quote. Like, I'm sorry. It didn't stand out to me <laughs> because it doesn't sound the same at all. You are not a badass bitch like Sandra Diaz Twine. I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it's so Mike's fault. So, yeah, so Mike's I can't fault. have a career of reading Sandra quotes? No, you cannot. <laughs> Go into the ocean and wash your ass. <laughs> you should do tiktok we're trying to get survivor tiktok and you can just do sandra confession wait but like isn't the point of tiktok that you're not supposed to talk in it so you'd have her playing like you'd have her actual confessional playing as like the sound and you could then you like, like mouth the eat. words yeah mm-hmm. oh okay i can do that but you do yeah you do it like completely opposite of the tone so for like i'm against you russell it'll just be like i'm against you you know okay well, that doesn't work for a podcast but you you can see what I'm doing, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Liana, we're going back to you oh, here. Man. Do you have one an easy? You want easy, medium, or hard? I did better with the mediums. <laughs> I'm gonna go medium. <laughs> All right. Here is your medium. My first thought when I saw the tribes were split right along racial lines was, "Oh God, this is going to be hard." Just because how is that like, medium? Cook Islands, baby. <laughs> All right, but do you? Oh, who, oh right. But who okay, said well, it? I, uh, sorry, I buzzed in before you could finish. Can you keep reading, or is that not allowed? All right, well, I'll start from the beginning. My first thought when I saw the tribes were split right along racial lines was, oh, God, this is going to be hard. Just because I feel like as a people that have the same ethnicity, maybe we'll kind of clash on things. I have no idea. 
Okay, well, it's yeah, in the season was a bad okay, idea. it's in the medium category, which means it's someone totally random. So let's go with who's someone super random from that season. Uh, is it Br- Brad? I also would have gone Brad for randomness. It is Larry. not Brad. Yeah. Shannon, do you have a secondary option for randomness? I was going to go with Brad. Um, <laughs> yeah, Shannon dude, also about, says Brad. <laughs> what about Seku Bunch? It is not Seku Bunch. Surprisingly, the first confessional of Cook Islands goes to Ozzy. Oh. See, you say question. it like Ozzy, Mike. We can't get them. Yeah. But also, how has this been categorized? Because, like, so the two mediums that Liana got was, oh, Stephanie's back, which could only be, I guess, two seasons, probably one. And the seasons, like, the season's been divided along racial lines, which is only one season. Like, how is that not in the easy category? So, so the reason I thought of it was because I thought easy was you can easily get both the season and the person. Medium is you could probably get the season or the person. You can definitely get the season. But not the other one. And then hard is you could probably get neither one. Got it. Right. Shannon, with that logic, questioning my my uh, my categories here. Do you want to go easy, medium, or hard? But it doesn't make any sense because okay, so for easy, you can get two points probably mm-hmm. because you can get the season and the person. But for medium, you'll definitely get two points because you'll definitely get the season. Whatever, I'll, I'll go easy, <laughs> but I don't think it makes sense. My generation, it's all about doing what you want to do, and I've done a lot beekeeper i've brewed beer snowboard instructor gone to north dakota i'm definitely a peter pan type i'll never grow up like this is who i am and i can't change okay millennials versus gen x mm-hmm Halo. that is correct and correct debbie yeah, easy is actually quite easy <laughs> yeah that's easy it's debbie i didn't hear red lobster though, <laughs> yeah. so i guess i guess yeah, not. she really does feel like a peter pan in that regard <laughs> uh so congratulations shannon your luck has turned around. You win a resounding 11 to 4 over what? Liana. Yeah, I like when you read out the points in that competition. <laughs> Continue to read out the points in all competitions. Shannon now approves of the point reading. I mercilessly <laughs> stopped the competition before I was forced to read James Miller's confessional from Palau in my straightforward voice. <laughs> Wait, I, read it yeah, now. I need to hear it now. Jeff's a son of a bitch, <laughs> let me tell you that. Hell, I thought we was gonna get, you know, some breakfast food and water or something. Hell no. I knew he was gonna say something like that. Say, the game is on. Something told me we was f- pretty much in trouble. Uh, that's amazing. Okay, and for bonus points, Liana has to guess what level that would have been. Easy. As if this has any sense. Is it easy? It is easy. Okay. Huh. I would have guessed medium. <laughs> no, I mean, this. I, I feel like this is right up there with uh, with Sandra's opening confessional in terms of iconicness of the Jeff's son of a bitch, let me tell you that. Yeah. Not to me. And the, uh, <laughs> huh. Well, now, because he had a lot of, the. I mean, so many isms. So I feel like I remember him having all of those sort of fr- turns of phrase. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I may not have gotten it. So. Do you have any well, other congratulations, Shannon. Um, Let's see. I have... Um, uh coltons this is definitely my game girls love me as far as guys like the guys aren't gonna see me as a threat mm. i have a uh, penner's infamous you can be a fan of the boston red Sox, but you don't want to play against the boston red Sox. oh and of course for survivor historians fans i have heidi strobel's infamous when jeff called the fifth girl i knew like instantly this is an all-woman tribe <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one's a good one yeah that's pretty <laughs> iconic um yeah seeing boston rob was an answer so close I guess what, it's saying Boston Red Sox? <laughs> yeah. 
that Boston Rob adjacent. <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, yay! Okay, cool. Is that a, is the game over now, Mike? The game's over. Shannon <laughs> won. <laughs> Shannon wins. Okay, so I I have a question because I've been thinking about this now a lot, and my answer obviously is the Flash games from Survivor. But if there's one thing that you could bring back from this. Like, I don't know, like this episode, it could be the way that the the way it's organized, some editing. Like if there's anything that you could sort of bring back from Survivor 2000 into Survivor today, what would that be? Like I said, obviously, I picked the Flash games, but I don't know if that counts as it wasn't necessarily. Um, um, mine would definitely be crack. Yes. The, and Metacracked, getting Metacracked. Um, the gong, I think, was also amazing. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. gone. <laughs> Shannon, I think wants the immunities to be longer, the challenges to be longer, yeah. so she probably wouldn't pick. No, that. I, I think considering how much Jeff drags out the challenges nowadays, I think actually people would be fine with having thirty second challenges now. If that means we get more time to actually see the players, yeah, no, I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having just recently watched several episodes of Survivor Token Teens, like there were so many things that I wanted them to bring into modern Survivor. This episode I had less. I've obviously come on and slammed so many things. You know, what I found was interesting was like, you do miss a lot of that. And this is like the coldest take, but you miss a lot of the social strategy that comes out with people just making the shelter and kind of arguing over that. And it's like, we don't even get that really anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like just like in terms of like people getting to know each other and that like very organic way that people do that when they make the shelter. And so much came out of that in this episode. So maybe more of that, more, more shelter making, more, of those organic relationships because now it's just like strategy, strategy, strategy. But then again, I, I think we need more strategy than this episode gave us. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to actually pull something that we pulled from the John Stewart interview. I don't understand why they got rid of luxury items. I know that they banned him a bit because Vesepia brought a mm. notebook and like ruined that fallen comrades challenge by writing things down. But like, if you're looking for, if you're not able to get personal content, at least like having little totems, is always fun. Like, I even remember in Exile Island when Courtney Merritt got her, like, little fire bolos and was doing stuff, right? Or, like, the fact that James Clement's luxury item in Heroes vs. Villains was his two immunity idols. Like, I love little touches like that, and so I do wish that they they brought that back. I know that they're pretty stringent nowadays about, like, to the point of, like, these are the clothes you have to wear, you know, these are the only things you can bring in, but I kind of wish that people nowadays had the ability to bring in a luxury item, because I feel like that does say something about who you are, either from a survivalistic perspective or from a personal perspective. Yeah, I think I thought you were saying that from Jon Stewart, it's like, why aren't we drowning people more? That's why I thought you were going, but you went in a different no, direction. No, listen, well, listen we, went- we, we had that challenge with Under the Grate with Last Gasp. We had that challenge. Remember the challenge where they were strapped to the water wheel and they were basically waterboarded over and over again? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I love I think, that I think Jon Stewart invented that challenge. I think so. And then you yeah. like spit into the thing with the water that you've collected. Is that the one that you're talking about, Mike? Yeah. 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 Oh my God, mm-hmm. that's so good. I, I Okay, so I first of all, I agree with both of you. I think something that allows you to get to know the contestants a little bit more and just allows for some more sort of organic ways of getting to know them. Um, so I think Shannon, probably my real answer. I, like, I think I would probably go alongside with what you're talking about. But I, I love when Survivor Australia does the intro sort of intro packages about people. Mm. And it, maybe it doesn't have to be as highly produced as that. And it doesn't have to be as low 
production as the spools that we see in this episode. But, yeah, on a scale of spool yeah. to Australian Survivor. Yeah, like on a scale of spools to Janine doing yoga, being a badass. Like, where do I fall? Um, because I, I, I like it's kind of cool to you. Yes, you see these people within the confines of Survivor, but it's kind of. It, you get to know them a little bit, even if it is sort of a little bit of a caricature before. Like Greg's description was he's a recent Ivy League grad. Okay, well, mm. that doesn't really tell me all that much, but maybe a little bit more, but in that kind of vein. So I get to know the people a little better. That or I pick Shan's answer. Or Boston Rob. <laughs> well, yeah, so I guess the question is like, because the Australian Survivor ones, I think the unfortunate downside is they have to parse them out throughout the episodes is because like, they're like, you know, two to three minute mm -hmm. montages. Would you want to like clip them down and put them all in the premiere? Would you spurs them out throughout the episodes like Australian Survivor does? What would be your, your like intention if you had access to those clips? I think they're absolutely shorter. Um, and I, I think the problem is, is if you, I don't know, it's hard because if you don't do them all in the first episode, then it's easy to be like, well, we haven't seen this person's video yet. So like they're safe um, or something like that. So I, look, I don't have an answer, Mike. Okay. I just want what I want and uh, I don't have a solution for it. That and Jeff Probst delivering mail. And I want that on camera. Yeah. <laughs> I need to see that. And the gong. And the gong. All, all great on. Oh, yeah, I want Jeff Probst to deliver the tree mail and then ring the gong to show that yeah. mail is here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I think that um, in terms of, like, the luxury items, like, BB was ahead of his time. Like, he had, you know, his kids on his shirt. Mm -hmm. You notice that? Like, that's, yeah. That's amazing. BB literally carrying his family on his chest. <laughs> yeah. If he takes off his shirt, he voted out his family. <laughs> I think about this all the time, because, like, what would my luxury item be? Like, I would probably bring one of the many, many, many items that I own that has pictures of my cat. Like, I have a cat blanket, I have a cat pillow, I have cat on my, I have my cat on my shirt. Um, so I would do, like that wouldn't be a luxury item. I could probably just wear those clothes, and I would do that. And I think BB thinking to do that was really ahead of his time. He got to see his family on his shirt the whole several days that he was out there. Do you ever? like have your shirt rumpled up in a corner in the dark and think it's your cat when really it's just the cat on the shirt um well my cat doesn't <laughs> live in my apartment she lives with my parents so that would be crazy i mean the, the blanket is you wouldn't be able to because she like the, the pictures in the blanket are bigger than she is so you could think the cat got big and now it's in my apartment <laughs> Why are you I'm so giant? Laughing at the absurdity of Mike thinking that the picture, like it's a crumpled up T-shirt, Mike, for it to have the volume of it to be. If a you 3D were sleeping object, and you woke up in the middle of the night and you looked in the corner and you saw a picture of a cat, do not tell me your mind did not initially jump to. Is that a cat there? Like you, I you cannot put two and two together no. when you are woken up from the midst of slumber town no. to be like, oh yes, obviously that is the cat shirt I threw in there. No, your first instinct is there's a cat there. Slumber no. town, doink, doink the clown is going to take you to slumber town. <laughs> oh no, my wrestling catchphrase. <laughs> oh no, slumber town. Yeah, I don't. I I know what my cat looks like. I know what a cat is. So I don't ever make that mistake. But the cat blanket actually can be quite terrifying. Not as terrifying as going to clown. But like people know my cat's like a little scary evil cat underscore Melly on Instagram. And yeah, the, so for one of my birthdays, it was like literally the best gift I've ever been given. Peter got me this giant blanket with 12 pictures of my cat on it. And it was genuine. It genuinely is like my favorite gift I've ever been given. So, but yeah, it's not my cat. Like I know the difference. But anyway. All right. So I realize now if I go on to Survivor, I'm going to wear a shirt with Doink the Clown on it. That's... <laughs> 
could, and everyone else would quit in fear. Yeah, exactly. It's a fear tactic. <laughs> no. Amazing strategy. A blanket is better, Mike. I really think you got to go with the big blanket. <laughs> Especially yeah, because... We- We've got luxury items again, and you just like unfurl this like giant blanket. People would quit. That's a really good strategy. Yeah, and I put it in the corner of the shelter. So when people wake up, they think Doink the Clown is there. <laughs> and no one else is getting this confused. Oh, there's a big clown in the shelter. I saw it last night. Oh my god, the evolution of strategy. <laughs> no, you can actually just bring uh, the mask, like bring the actual Doink the Clown mask, and when people wake up in the middle of the night, just have you sitting there over yeah, there. Listen, some people have put buffs over their faces to keep the bugs out. I put on my Doink the Clown. Mask and makeup. Can you imagine? I'm just picturing. Okay, so I'm picturing the gif of Ben Drebergen where he's like in the woods, like spying on people, but now he's wearing a doink clown mask. It's terrifying. Can you imagine? Or like Nick Wilson when he just wanders into conversations with a doink the clown mask on? Like, that's terrifying. This is terrifying. Oh, that's why those people don't win is because they're doinking it. They're doinking it. Talk to the hand, man. Oh my god! You know those both of those people won, right? But then the second time, (laughs) next level strategy. (laughs) Yeah, this is why these people don't win every time. Right? Odie, some of the time, clearly. The one. Oh my goodness! I think people well, need to Google Doink the Clown so that they understand what we're talking don't about. Don't like, Google Doink the Clown. You won't be able to sleep if you Google Doink the Clown. And if too many of us Google him, then he appears. In your, oh yeah, in your, in your computer screen, <laughs> on your T-shirt, late at night, yeah. crumpled up in the corner that you think is Doink the Clown. <laughs> yeah, but then you realize it's not Doink when the Clown. You, it's just that T-shirt. I'm when you're clown. waking up from Slumbertown. <laughs> <laughs> when you wake up from Slumbertown, then you will see Doink the Clown. <laughs> All right, that old the, wives' uh, tale. Okay, yeah, I don't even have a fear of clowns, but now I feel like maybe I do as of today because of this. This horrifying image. Well, I'm glad we could all get in the same boat together when it comes to mutual fears. We all have a new specter looming over us of doing the cloud. Uh, yeah, because, so we're not doing a question of the week because this is a, a new type of thing. But I will say that uh, we're going to keep on keeping on with this. I'm not sure how much Rob has really gone into length about. Uh, what his plan is but you know we're moving on from the survivor premiere and rhap is going to look upon more classic episodes that's sort of aiming i think at like the first 20 seasons really pre rhap or around the time rhap started so if you have suggestions for episodes that you'd like us to cover you can become a patron of rhap i believe that's where uh they're receiving input but throughout this off season liana and i are going to be bringing you installments of the bnb covering some of these older episodes of survivor uh not sure in terms of a frequency sometimes there may be guests on sometimes it might just be the two of us uh, i'm not entirely sure but based on the way this is going Leon, i'm actually very very excited as to whatever the hell we're going to conjure up here in the next few months <laughs> yeah me too i don't know what the future holds but this is this is a blast so much fun and i'm really looking forward forward to trying to make games that fit the time period but also it doesn't have to because that's not what we're doing here but i'm still convinced that we are doing that so uh if this doesn't put you to slumber town hopefully you can join us on this journey well while liana is caught in a paradox still shannon gus thank you for coming on making your return to the bnb and us promptly maybe scaring you off once more you do get you get a game win in your pocket so we always relish the time we get to talk with you whether on your podcast or on ours about survivor for people who want to check out whatever else you may be doing are you doing anything special for the time being and how can people follow you on social media 
Um, I'm at Shannon Gates. I'm not doing anything special. I mean, I've been made redundant from my full-time job of watching Survivor um, because there is no Survivor. So it's a weird, it's a weird time. Like I was literally just, like, this is where my life is right now. Like, it's so sad. I was thinking like, I've done this podcast. It's like the middle of the morning right now. I was going to nap after, but now I'm so scared of Dwight the Clown that I may never sleep again. So I've kind of freed up my whole day right now which is a kind of a sad state of affairs. I feel like every time I come on a Survivor podcast during the off season and talk about where my life's at, um, I don't paint a good picture of where it is. So I don't know. I might do some of these, you know, for Survivor Global, we might, you know, get a couple of guests on in these rewatches. I don't really know what's happening. I might do it. We're going to do a think tank at some point. Nick and I are going to do that. Um, I'm watching a lot of late 90s, 2000 uh, media at the moment so that I'm, I'm downloading snake on my phone i'm getting up to a lot of things you know so follow along for that yeah I gotta well, as we journey backwards to see shannon gates live her life in the 90s uh liana in this time period what are you up to and how can people follow you on social media you can find me on twitter at liana rhap i am not podcasting about the mass singer because that's over now but i am still podcasting about rupaul's drag race so we are going to get together to talk about the finale and the reunion this weekend and then of course all-star season five is starting up because drag race never ends so that's what i'm up to and then whatever this mess is well listen i I think in a time when a lot of reality shows are up in the air like all the complaints about drag race never ending i think are okay at the moment right but now you also wish like why do they have to do four concurrent weeks of secret celebrity drag race like save that for the end when you actually don't have any content right yeah how are they filming well they filmed a bunch they filmed so sir okay so they filmed this all stars five season like over like a year ago essentially and it's just been in the can and we thought we were going to get it first because it filmed first but it didn't happen they all they aired season 12 and then they also had this secret secret celebrity drag race thing so anyway uh they had a bunch in the can uh is the point okay because i thought maybe they could do it like on zoom like i you know so you know Lockie is the bachelor and then they had to stop his season filming because of the pandemic. And I recently read an article that said that he's going on Zoom dates. And they thought, like, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where I thought, like, I'm like, is this a joke article? But it wasn't on like a like satire site. Like, I think that they are filming Zoom with dates. the Bachelor cast, like with the girls or. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's not open to anybody. Like, I, is- I can't just apply. <laughs> you have a boyfriend. Well, yeah, I mean, I know. But wouldn't it be fun to say I went on a Zoom date with Lockie? Only, only if you go dressed as Doink the Clown. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm, like, the third person that they always put that that's like, okay, this person's definitely going home first. Wait, yeah, well, so- apparently the Zoom date was meant to be in onesies. So you're meant to be, like, adorable in your little, like, dog onesie. But it'd be funny if one girl just did dress up as, like, a clown. That would be Clown funny. onesies. Is he, is, is he, like, is he, like, going to try to like make a move in the zoom how do you well that's the only way you can at, at this point in time right so what would that oh how do you hit zoom on people is disgusting what does that I mean don't, i i don't i i won't go into it here now my mind is running wild with a lot of bad nsfw things oh no what like yeah it's not great i mean it's not like they show that stuff it. on regular tv so they'd find but a way also, to apparently, edit it Speaking of tabloids, apparently before things broke, Lockie was getting chastised for hooking up with too many of the women. So this is going to be, there's a non-zero chance that that type of stuff is going to happen. Oh my. Yeah. How much would it suck to be The Bachelor and then have it be 
just that. No. And then have it be shut down for the pandemic. Like, I really do hope they get a season out. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, he would have had his favorites and stuff. And now is he like, is he allowed to talk to them? Are they talking every day? Is he not allowed to talk to all these people he had a connection with? Like, I think too much about this. I spend too much time. I mean, I think it's it's like part time or full time. I don't know. Liana spent time calling her sister to come up with the word joint. So I don't feel like I invested much time in anything anymore. <laughs> but if I did, it would be in thinking about how lucky is going in this yeah. time in lockdown. <laughs> Shannon, you talk about how like, oh, I talk about my life. It sounds so sad. Like You're talking to two people. <laughs> At least Mike has a baby. Like, <laughs> my life is a disaster. I stayed. Yeah, but he doesn't know any 90s slang. That's true. That's a true <laughs> statement. Useless. Get- <laughs> Do better, Asher. Okay, next time I'm on the B&B, the three of us can compete about whose life is more sad. Okay. I guess that's, what this, that's always what it is, right? <laughs> it's like, accidentally. Yeah, that's, that's the running game, really, the, is, yeah. is the whose life is the, is the most pathetic, but in the happiest way. We're all having We're a good time. keeping a tally. Yeah. Um, you, you can always follow me at a Mike Bloom type. So even though Survivor has ended for the time being, that has not stopped me writing about it. I have come out with a series of articles in the past week. Survivor turns 20. Where when I was on set for Survivor 39, I did an interview. I did a series of interviews with a bunch of people around the crew. And I've started coming out with those pieces that really highlight all of the like multiple heads of the Survivor production Hydra between the challenge department, the art department, location scouts, uh, the, the directors, the production office, Marine, Jeff Probst and Matt Van Wagnon. So those interviews are out on Parade.com. By the time this is coming out, they should all be out. My final piece is basically a summation of how the Survivor crew has built into like a family of 400 plus. And they gave some memories about their their time over the course of the show. It's I mean, stepping onto that set, it's it's uh, one of the biggest thrills of my life as a Survivor fan, because you really get to see how palpable the passion is for the show from the people that are making it. And as much as you may, uh, you know, grumble and grouse about certain choices productions have made, you get to see everyone pour their heart into each and every piece of work that they do, whether it's like painting a prop or if it's designing a challenge. And it, it was so staggering to see and really made me recontextualize my fandom. So I'm hoping in my pieces that I was able to do that as well to show like the side of the iceberg that we rarely get to see on camera. So you can check all that out at parade.com slash tag slash survivor covering top chef. With a fantastic crew, we are nearing the final few weeks of that. But down the hatch, my Lost Rewatch podcast with Josh Wiggler has been going very strong. Uh, Last week was the 10-year anniversary of the series finale, and we did a bunch more stuff on top of our usual two-and-a-half-hour podcast. So check that all out. There's sure to be much more stuff in the future. Brant Steele's miscellaneous Survivor stuff, maybe some other fun stuff going on on post-show recaps and the time to be. Uh, But that's going to do it for the B&B I don't know when the episodes will be announced for people to check out, but like if they happen to fall your way before we record these things and you have game suggestions, you can email us rhapbnb at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts about this episode, whether it's the games that we played, thoughts on the premiere, what uh, big sites in Australia Liana should check out, uh, hashtag rhapbnb, the letter B, the letter N, the letter B. Special thanks to Scott St. Pierre for his great work behind the scenes. Paul Osselson, a fellow Survivor historian, our head writer, and our great theme song from Wolf from America. Liana and I will be back at some point in the weeks to come talking about yet another classic episode of Survivor. But for now, we'll check you out at your next day. Mike and Liana gather playing some games that are great to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that awesome.
sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. Gotta pray to your mama that they're not super late. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.